0: we're on uh, the train of good news and we want to keep this episode nice and tight which it should be able to be done with just the three of us yeah but then again we do get into our moments where we start talking when we recap these but <laughs> i mean otherwise it'd be a pretty boring podcast if nobody like, talked yeah <laughs> just sometimes I, I i really do i really do get worried about that because one person can only be so creative and have so many different takes and ideas on something like how often am i repeating myself
1: yeah on things a lot
0: you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. especially for people that listen to all of our episodes like they hear me once a week probably talk about how i got into watching the challenge with karina
2: oh they hear it on almost every unplugged episode because we tell it to you tell it to almost every challenger so if they listen to them all they hear it but at the same time, the unplugs, we're talking to the person. We're not talking to the fan. Yeah. In the round true. tables, we are. <laughs> but we all do it. We all repeat the same, like, you know.
0: I feel like I've gotten a lot better with that being said.
2: You have gotten a lot better with that.
0: I've gotten worse with like.
2: Yeah, I've gotten a lot better with my ums because I was saying um a lot. And so now I think about it every time I talk. But now I realize that I'm starting to replace my ums with like and, you know, yeah. You know, like how they, I'm like, stop it.
0: Well, it's better than what, what it used to be. Yeah, 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 No, no, no. Oh, no. I just cut those no, out. No, 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 no. I just no, cut no.
2: those out now because I got tired of you making fun of me about it.
0: Um. So shout out to Melissa uh, <laughs> for, you know, it, it only took almost eight months, but I am no longer saying with that being said every 20 seconds. You
2: know what? Shouts to Melissa, though, because like, a, you know, a couple of months ago when we released the CT Unplugged, and like, I don't want to say everybody, but, you know, a few people were like giving me some shit about my laugh. And I had posted a a public response kind of addressing everybody. And and Melissa had replied to that response. that she was like, you know what? Like, fuck those people. And like, <laughs> you guys have fun and they have no right to like tell you. And she's like, honestly, I feel like an asshole that that was even how our relationship started and that I even sent you that message because it was uncalled for. And she was like, I'm so grateful that we were able to like come to where we are now and you guys are badasses and you know, just like whatever. It's super, super sweet. And I was like, honestly, like hers didn't come off malicious though. Like no. the way she wrote it to us. It didn't come off malicious. Like It just came off as her just being a little bit irritated in the moment. Like she probably listened to a few episodes in a row and was like, what the fuck? You know, whereas like that other girl who had messaged me and, you know, a couple of the girls who had commented, um, it was, it was rude and they came with malicious intent. So, um, no shouts to Melissa. I love, I love you, Melissa. You're awesome.
0: I think that was also at such an early point in the podcast where we, we were still getting comfortable with yep. everything that like I took it like I internalized it so much for that episode. <laughs> so it made it even a bigger deal. But
2: oh, it made it so funny because we we did it for a couple because we filmed like we recorded like three episodes that day. it was a like, stacked
3: it was a stacked day.
2: Yeah, because yeah. we did the roundtable and then we also had two interviews that weekend. So we talked about it on all three of them. It was, yeah, one of them was, I believe, uh, Kendall. And then you told Kendall the story of why (laughs) you kept (laughs) stumbling over your
0: words. Um, Was that the day that we interviewed Leah, too?
2: I believe so, yeah. Holy shit. I think so, yeah. Yeah.
0: That is equally, easily almost 10 hours on a podcast in one day.
2: Yeah. In a 24 hour period. Yeah. We were, we recorded for probably about 10 to 12 hours in that 24 hour period. Like That's it was ridiculous. And yeah. five of them were with Leah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Cause that was before I was doing the interview. So it was, you guys were telling me about it when we jumped on the, uh, it's probably like a round table at that point. Cause I don't think we were
0: in the middle of a season.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I believe you're right.
0: I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of looking like, I, I love this season so far. I think it's pretty entertaining. I mean, I have a whole different idea on this episode, but I'm looking forward to maybe getting an off season, like maybe them giving us like a month before they jump into like global or they jump into whatever they're going to do next, you know?
2: Oh, I hope so. I'm, I honestly think that global is probably not going to start until like like early 2023, and I think that 38 will be over around Christmas, New Year's time.
0: I'm hoping it doesn't start to like February or March. So we yeah. get like two months off because I would love to go back to like just our trash talk sessions. I love, I love those. Where yes. we were just bullshitting all the ta- all the time. Yeah, like, I love those. You know what I mean? So one thing we really want to talk about is today there was some information that
2: Today today as in Friday, November
0: 11th. Yes, I'm sorry. Today, Friday, November 11th. There was some information that was released uh, online through TMZ and a couple other places uh, that CT and uh, Lily are filing for a divorce. Now, the reason this makes news is a whole nother debate unto itself, but nonetheless it is, and... Karina has a few things to say about this whole situation and not really about CT and Lily so much, but around everything else that's happened since then. Yeah, I just want to say real quick that my heart goes out to them because a relationship ending is tough enough, but a relationship ending when you have a child involved is extremely tough and I wish them a very cordial separation and divorce and I hope everything works out for the best for them and and cj at the end of the day because that's the most important thing yeah and it's heartbreaking because there's no winner in this situation right now yeah and you know so you know thoughts prayers all that goes out to ct his family um lily and her family and of course their their child cj yeah um you know and that's really all i have to say about that i don't care what happened because you're going to go into it we have no fucking clue Relationships, a million times people have said, Oh, they were the perfect couple. And then they, you know, something horrible happens on the inside and only comes out after. And I hope it never comes out because I really don't want to know. Anyways, I'll let you take it from there. I don't want to get (laughs) to (laughs) it.
2: No, you're good. No, and, and you're right. And honestly, at the end of the day, this breaks down to relationships are extremely complex. And if you are an adult who watches this TV, listens to this podcast, you know, has social media, you should know that way more complex. And there's so much that goes into stuff like this. And there's so much that goes into a decision like that. And some of the things that we've been seeing online are just, they're absolutely disgusting. We, we put a post up on our IG stories today, kind of addressing this, but I really want to encourage everybody to take a second and think about what you're saying and what message you're sending because going online and Sending Lily nasty messages or posting nasty things about Lily or, you know, celebrating that CT is filed for a divorce. It's just honestly, it's disgusting. And I can't think of, of a better way to describe it. It's just it's absolutely uncalled for. It's unnecessary. This is a reality TV star. That yes, we have kind of watched on TV grow, but none of us will ever truly know this man. No matter how much you think that you may now have a shot with CT, you don't. That's not how this kind of stuff works. And celebrating his separation from his wife and the splitting of his family is despicable to me. And I don't understand how people can say that they love him and they're big fans of him. And yet they're cheering when he has a broken heart. You know, and secondly, it, the thing that's been bugging me the most is that one day CJ is going to be old enough to Google his name and Google his parents' name. And he's going to see the things that are said about his mother. So before you go and you comment some nasty shit or you send some nasty messages or post some nasty stuff, just think about how you would feel if you were you know, a 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old kid and you go and Google your parent's name, your mother's name, who has raised you and loved you and birthed you and all of that and you see those kinds of things. Just think about how you would feel because at the end of the day, just because CT is a reality star, these are still humans. This is still real life shit. And honestly, whatever they're going through is between them and it's nobody else's fucking business. And that's really all I have to say about that.
0: I couldn't have said it better myself, and that's why I married you, because you say it better for me.
2: I'm sorry that I sound angry about this, but I am. And I know that I normally, you know, normally we're here to trash talk challenge, but I think that the actions in the fandom needed to be addressed. And like I said, I'm sorry that I sound angry. I'm not really angry. I'm just, I'm I'm disappointed at things that I've seen and... (sighs) There's been so many people on our, you know, on our following, on our Instagram, and social media pages that have reached out and have let us know that they feel exactly the same. And, you know, shouts out to you guys for being there and showing love and support to CT and to Lily and CJ through this difficult time. And I really appreciate you guys reaching out and letting us know that we're not alone in how we feel about this.
0: Tony, did you have anything you want to add or are you pretty much where I'm at on this? Pretty much bare bones.
3: It's between two people that are none of us, between three people that are none of us. It's not our business. And we don't really have a right to comment on it. I know that a lot of people say like, oh, well, he's on TV. Like, that's fine. He's on TV. You can comment on what is shown on TV. Yes. Outside of that is not necessarily up for debate. It's not necessarily public domain.
0: And leave it at that.
2: Yeah. absolutely
0: so i mean really at the end of the day i think my personal thing is is i try to always put myself in somebody else's shoes right like how are they going to feel? and i know that's like the golden rule and we all say we do that but like i know how hard a breakup can be just like everybody else does let alone a fucking divorce
2: with a child yeah so
0: my thing is is like let them have their 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 space let them figure this out let them deal with this just like you would want to deal with it which is without interference yeah respect their you know privacy in this situation and at the end of the day look understand that this is a life-changing thing for a little kid and you know have some fucking decency that's all i have to say that's- um, anyways <laughs> Enough with the Debbie Downer talk. Let's get into some actual uh real life entertainment why we're really here, which is to talk about the challenge. Um can I just say this before I do the intro? And you can add this into there. Yeah. But I am so utterly fucking disappointed that they named this this episode Get Rich or Die Trying, and they did not play one 50-cent song the whole fucking episode.
1: Uh, Oh, you would have just got techno
0: if you're in
3: Canada.
1: Yeah. Yeah, The closed
3: captioning, like I said last week, closed captioning is from the States, so it says the name of the song that is going Uh, to be playing and then has the captions for the lyrics (gasps) while it's playing, like, weird techno music
2: no
0: so did you just go back on your rewatch and pull up like apple music or spotify and listen to those songs during those scenes because that's what i would have no. done that's i'm not that like
3: yeah it's way too much work <laughs> i just, just watched it and then i saw the name of the song and i was like i know that song and then i sang along with the words in my head
1: right <laughs> and then if i
3: didn't know the lyrics they were on the screen it was like karaoke in my mind <laughs>
0: Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Challenge Fandom Podcast. Uh, we're going to be doing another Trash Talk Roundtable recap where we're going to be going through episode five of the Challenge 38 Rider Dies. And this episode's called Get Rich or Die Trying.
2: I, I I don't know. I don't know why. Why? Why is it called that? It's There's a most. No reason for it. I, can, I, I didn't understand. Because you
3: get five grand from Burger King or you
0: could drown. <laughs> like Bamber and Chauncey's boat
2: I was oh gonna say God, yeah they're, They didn't exactly drown but their boat did It was
0: like like fucking Devin was over there And screamed out like B7 And was like "Oh, you sunk my fucking <laughs> Canoe My paddle boat
1: oh my god
0: um but yeah no it was super disappointing like not playing 50 cent once too no when you have the song title directly named after one of his albums i'm sorry i'm a i'm a fucking later or an earlier millennial so that album was pretty pivotal in my high school years
2: well and then like towards the end of the episode because i hadn't heard any 50 cent songs or anything and so i was like okay we get towards the end of the episode and i kept waiting for like Somebody to say it in, like, at a confessional or, like, make a joke saying it or something. Nothing. Zip, zero, zilch. Yeah. No reason to name this episode that.
3: They need to go to the survivor naming method.
2: I think they did it to fuck with us, to be honest. Like, that's the only logical thing I can come up with is they're like.
0: <laughs> I mean, if they were going to do a song title, they should have done, like, Everybody Hurts or something. I, I, yeah, uh, I don't
2: get it. It's weird. Or, anyway.
0: Or something about assumptions. Because you know what happens when you make assumptions? When you assume, make an ass out of you and me.
2: I'm pretty sure everybody listening to this knows that.
0: Well, if they didn't, the fucking hot take dropped. Knowledge. Boom.
2: Um, people don't listen even when they do no shit, huh?
0: I don't know. If you're listening to me, you've got a whole other set of priorities that you need to get figured out. So <laughs> there we go there. Anyways. Anyways yeah. Um. So th- like we said, this episode's name is Get Rich or Die Trying for no fucking reason. <laughs> but... We uh, we start off the episode with, like, a little pool party that they're having, which is nice to see. We haven't seen anything like yeah. this in a while.
2: We haven't gotten a pool party in a hot minute.
0: Yeah, I think, like, War of the Worlds 2 is the last one I can remember. Yeah,
2: maybe. So,
0: yeah. it was nice to see. Everybody's kind of just hanging out, enjoying each other. You see the little, like, relationships that are forming. You mm-hmm. see mariah and bananas which was kind of interesting and
2: speaking of people who know shit but don't fucking listen right
0: yeah her mom tells her you watch out for him he's a slippery snake
2: you gotta listen to mama man Yeah, mama knows mama knows mama knows best
0: and then of course we get uh uh, olivia and nelson uh Mm -hmm. chilling together and which i enjoy this one actually because they they Their energies match so well to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think Fessy makes a good point, which is like, you know, she's free spirited and kind of outgoing and she allows kind of Nelson to be that and matches his energy. And I kind of agree with that. So, Mm -hmm. you know what? Shout out to Fessy for the hot take on that one.
2: Thanks, Fessel.
0: Yeah, Fessel. And then we get, obviously, uh, Oracio talking about his... When him and Olivia are talking, they're really just talking game all the time. And, Mm. uh, you know, Laurel's kind of his his way to escape the game and have a decent conversation. So, a little budding romance, perhaps.
2: You know what? I liked that, though. I liked that they gave him that confessional because... Up to this point, it's kind of almost not felt like he didn't like Laurel, but almost like maybe she liked him a little bit more than he liked her. But this kind of solidified it for me that he's also really super into Laurel. And it's it's cute. Yeah. I like it. It's very cute.
0: And then we go from, you know, the pool party to Darrell giving us a confessional oh about how, you know, he's kind of. No, he's
2: talking to Veronica in, thought- in bed. She's laying in bed and he's like talking about, they're like, you know, we're probably going to be on the bottom, blah, blah, blah. And and he's like, yeah, but I kind of like the the underdog feeling. And then, like, it goes to Veronica, and she just, like, she's quiet for a second, and she goes, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> No, you don't. You don't agree with that at all. Like,
0: <laughs> well, I think it's it's smart because Darrell understands where he's sitting in this house, and he yeah. gives a confessional about that, about how he's, you know, and Veronica does too, about how they're on the lower rung of the veterans' yeah. priority list. Yeah,
2: they're well aware. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it, you know, it makes sense in this situation to almost take a Wes. Gameplay and try to pair up with like rookies or you know, one year, two year players, yeah, which they they
2: talk about a little later in the episode and they consider, but
0: they either don't follow through or the edit doesn't show us,
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, it's weird, but (laughs) then the best part is the only great part of the episode,
0: honestly. This might be the best part of the season so far. far. So good, the emo party. And look, I'm just gonna tell you, it's not just a phase, dad. not
2: it's for life Emos for life
0: like you guys are so lucky we couldn't get the rights to hawthorne heights for oh this fucking God. intro because ohio is for lovers would be playing i'm letting you know that <laughs> right fucking now but dude the, devin devin in the emo party
2: devin oh. and jay dude they both killed that look so fucking good like devin devin looked good jay looked good i think olivia looked really good
0: can i just say that I know some of these people are a little bit younger, but if I remember correctly, like emo girls that were into emo didn't walk around with like black lipstick and heavy black eyeliner all the time. Yeah, I did. Did they? Oh, okay. They did. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe I'm off. Maybe emo. I was thinking more goth, but
2: and it was kind of one and the same, honestly, at least at my school and stuff. It was like,
0: yeah, it was a pretty fine line between the two. Yeah. See, I'm a couple years late on it. Like it came out when I was, you know, getting out of high school, so I was on my own kind of thing. But anyways, neither here nor there. <laughs> um the really cool thing is it kind of gives us this intro about Jay and Jack performing this song together cuz Jack likes to do like poetry and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. obviously Jay plays uh, the guitar. Or well, he's gonna help him sing, and Bananas is gonna play uh, the the guitar. I'm sorry, guys. They're
2: the uh, the Chinese takeout.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fucking love that name. (laughs) Like Uh, what?
2: That's so random.
0: And uh, they do the song Adeline. Yeah,
2: Adeline is what they called it. I don't know where the name came from either, and I don't even know the lyrics, but it was incredible and laurel's like sitting there she's like chanting and pumping like screaming and stuff like they were at a concert it was so cute i loved that whole moment
3: i feel like as much as i absolutely love this moment i feel like the main reason that they showed it was so that they could actually show us that jay and jack knew that each other were in the
0: house let alone we're friends 100 i yeah no absolutely but i with that being said i did feel like it was a a corny but nonetheless a callback to earlier seasons where they would do theme parties and shit
2: oh i agree oh, yeah. i
0: mean i yeah. love that yeah. you know yeah. what i mean even if it is super forced and corny i it's still cool
2: I, I like it i did however notice because um you know jay had made a post on his facebook or his facebook jesus on his instagram on his
0: myspace <laughs>
2: He made a post on his Instagram.
0: <laughs> he changed his topic.
2: <laughs> oh, remind me of that here in just a second. Anyway, so Jay, Jay posted on his Instagram and somebody had commented and was like, dude, that emo party was like the best part of the whole episode, blah, 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 blah. And then like, you know, people were talking about it, whatever. And somebody else had commented and said, please, please, please tell me that the emo party was your idea at Jay. You know, and they tagged his Instagram. And he replied to them with like a bunch of winky faces. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like if it was like Jay's idea to do that little emo party, that's awesome. Now, back to the MySpace top eight really fucking quick. I meant to tell you guys about this the other day. I don't know how to do it. But apparently you can now add songs to your Facebook profile that like plays at the top. I have a screenshot of it. I saw it on somebody's page the other day and I was like, what? Until
0: I physically see that shit, I don't believe it.
2: It's there. I played it on her freaking profile. I hit play on the song. And then there was little three dots next to it that said add song to your profile. I just didn't do it. So but I have the screenshot. I will prove it. I promise. I will even freaking post it. But I'm like, dude, can we like do that now again? That's here we go, right here. See crying while you're dancing. And then like if you click these little three dots right here, it'll say like add to your add song add a song to your profile or something so anyway
0: if they (laughs) let us start like instead of doing a cover photo let us do the whole back page like we used to be able to do on myspace i'm fucking in i can do that html code pretty quick
2: hell yeah i can freaking hell yeah
0: but that's neither here nor there when we're talking about the (laughs) challenge anyways let's see
2: add music add song to music on your profile Uh, anyway that's
0: that's dope anyways um
2: back to the show yeah (laughs)
0: So and like you said, Tony, you're right. They did really put this out there just to show that Jay and Jack are close and that they had a budding friendship since they met each other uh, like two weeks before this or three weeks before (laughs) this. But then we get a confessional from Michelle talking about how uh, she gets this feeling that Laurel's against her and she's she's going to come after her and she's going to be the first one on the chopping block.
2: Yeah. Oh, she's no, she, again, she's sitting in bed. She's talking to, uh, she's talking to Amber. Yeah. She's talking to Bamber and she's telling her how she's like, you know, if we don't win, I feel like we can't let Laurel and Jack win. Cause I feel like she's going to come after her, blah, blah, blah. And then Bamber does a confessional and she's like, dude, Michelle is always paranoid because they room together. And so she's like, sometimes it's funny, but like, I also feel bad for her. Just
0: like, I just, yeah, I mean, like, I get it being paranoid and all of that shit, but you can't play that way. Like,
2: yeah, doesn't work in the challenge house, especially when you have big hitters like Laurel there.
0: I just, yeah, I have a whole take on this and we'll get into it
3: here in a minute. Sarah mentioned something that kind of rings true when we were watching it. Um, She said that, like, Michelle is super sensitive just in general. And Laurel is pretty no nonsense. Like she's a straight shooter. Yeah. But she also doesn't talk when she doesn't need to talk. Yeah. And doesn't go out of her way to do anything she doesn't need to.
2: Yeah. And for
3: somebody who's like super sensitive, and the kind of funny thing is, is it ties into what Cody said at the end of Tribal Council is like one wrong move, wrong, one wrong gesture, one wrong like body, whatever. You are going to take that. You could take that the wrong way. And I think for Michelle, she absolutely just like took Laurel being Laurel the absolute wrong way because she is sensitive. And she immediately thought that it was about her. (laughs) Thank you, Jenga. And it was directed at her when in reality... Laurel That's just was probably how Laurel Just is. walking from one room to the other.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I've said I said this in like a comment on Facebook in our trash talk group and, you know, I'll say it again is like Laurel is one of those people where like I can understand where people might misunderstand her because she is so just like blah, like whatever, not blah, but she's just like whatever. Like she just goes about her normal shit. She's not there to kiss people's ass. She knows she's a badass competitor, so she doesn't have to go around sucking up to the hole of the house. And, you know, and like you said, she's a straight shooter. So, you know, I think that it's easy to misinterpret someone like Laurel. But that's something that Michelle should have talked to her about. You know, making assumptions like that just is not a good idea in the challenge house like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, so the way I kind of view Laurel, and obviously this is just an interpretation from what I see on the television show. I'm sure she is much different on a day-to-day basis with people she's just talking to or friends with, you know what I mean? But it makes me think of like, you know, when you're writing a paper in school, you put as much into it. You even use words you don't even need to just to kind of fill it out, right? Mm -hmm. And to give it some character. But when you're in business and you write something out, like a paper to someone or an email, you take out everything you don't need. Like yes. every single thing. You, you don't need that adjective there. Get rid of it. Mm-hmm. You know, all that. And that's what Laurel is in the challenge house to me. Get rid of everything you don't need. I'm going to give you <laughs> very straight across the board. There's not much emotion. I think there was a very clear and cut thing that really expressed it. And we'll get into this more. But in deliberations. She said, Michelle goes, Are you gonna say anything? And she goes, Do you have a question? Yeah. You know, like, and if you really think about it, she never they never asked a fucking question. They just talked.
2: They expect yeah, she they we'll get into it when we yeah, get to Yeah, But anyways. But anyway. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so from here we go to the daily, not from Michelle and whoever in the mm-hmm.
2: deliberation,
0: <laughs> but from Michelle and
2: Amber in the bedroom. Yeah,
0: we go to the daily. Um, this one is called Royal Relay. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. I didn't catch that part. See, right there, you guys are right here as I just something connected. A new neuron mm. made a connection right there. You're welcome, America. Jeez. And everybody else, Canada, Britain. Congratulations. No, but uh TJ calls him uh royalty uh royalty. <laughs> and it instantly and I know you it instantly made me think of it. I know you're on the same page as uh made me think of Emily. Is that her name?
2: Yeah. <laughs> E- emmy is it emmy? emmy i don't know
0: yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, royal
2: the... german <laughs> when he when he said there was going to be royalty there i like...
0: don't even want to use her name i just want to call her noms former partner
2: <laughs> former writer die quote unquote
0: nope nope just former partner uh, well, they're not writer dies she quit on him
2: no no i agree i don't think they were writer dies to begin with but um yeah, so we get another Burger King challenge.
0: Ooh, uh, you can have it your way.
2: Hence all the royalty talk. And I was like, I w- as soon as it said that, I was like, oh my God, how funny would it be if like Dural or <laughs> right. Bamber won it again? <laughs> but this time it wasn't like a lifetime supply of bar of uh, of uh Burger King. Whoppers. It was It was five thousand dollars cash a piece, so that's 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 better. Was it
0: was it five k a piece or was it five k five k each? It
2: was five k each. Okay,
0: okay. I was just gonna, you know, what's kind of going around. Never mind. Yeah, Um, (laughs) but I thought it was a cool challenge, and honestly, I liked it. It was to me. I know the challenge is especially in the last like five, six seasons has been known for like the over the top, like you're hanging off a semi and explosions are going off on the end of the road. And you're trying to climb the side of the semi to, you know, swing over to the other one. And it's just like, I'm sure that's really fucking cool for them to do. But for us to watch, it's they're just hanging off the side of a fucking semi. It's not (laughs) interesting. Oh, you got to drive this car and hit other cars. Well fuck, I didn't know we were watching the demolition derby tonight. <laughs> Where this one is they have to I didn't did they say how what the distance was?
2: No, they Pretty didn't say what yeah, it was, it was far, though, because they they kept doing the overhead drone shots and it was a far swim. It looked and like that puzzle piece was apparently heavy from what Michelle said that yeah. it was it was a heavy puzzle piece you had to swim back with.
0: Well, so. so you and your partner, you have to take turns first. uh The first one to swim out, grab a puzzle piece, swim it back. Then your partner goes, does the same thing. And then you have to get into uh, a rowboat, little, uh, yeah. like a rowboat and you have to row yourself out to get one puzzle piece bring it back and then your partner and you have to switch and they have to row the boat out there and bring that puzzle piece back with you in the boat and then you have to assemble it first one to do it wins if you don't get first place it doesn't fucking matter that's pretty much it per usual yeah. yeah two heats and you know top two heats whoever has the best time is your daily winner. In the first heat, I don't remember exactly who was in it. Do you?
2: I Oh, well, actually, really quick, I just want to shout this out because I don't know that I've ever heard or seen something like this on the show before. But in his pre-daily interview, they're talking to uh, Nelson and Norris, and Nelly says, for all you Scuba Nelly T fans out there, I got your back. Let's go get this win. And granted, they didn't win, and I don't even remember. I don't think they did very well. But... I don't think I've ever heard a challenger like shout out their fans directly on the show like that before. And I just thought that was really fucking cool of him to do to like in that moment to acknowledge all of his all the people in his fan base. And I don't know. It was just it was a cool moment. I wanted to shout that out. I thought that was really cool of Nelly to do, you know, and just kind of like give that like recognition to the fans. And yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was cool.
0: Of all the iterations of Nelson we get, I think Scuba Nelly is my favorite.
2: By far, by far. Just 100%. Out there.
0: And um, you know what? Oh, and real quick, just shout out to to, to Nellie uh, Nelly T, because we sit here sometimes and we fucking rag on people when they don't learn something after yeah. they've failed at it multiple times in the challenge. Or, you know, or they come to the challenge knowing that they're swimming in here, but they don't try to learn swimming before they come. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Nelson had had issues with swimming, and now he has taken every step to improve, yes. and that's what we always talk about. Is just you know you're not you're, no one's ever going to be perfect, no one's ever going to be the best all the time. Mm-hmm. But all you can do is keep working and putting yourself in the right position. And he's doing that, and I, I truly yep. love to see that. So shout out to Nelly T for that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So in heat one, we had uh, Nelly and Noree, Laurel and Jack, Bamber and Chauncey, Anisa and Jordan. Olivia and and oracio and then jay and michelle
0: can i just say that like when we were watching this i was like shit this heat is stacked there's just like heavy hitters in this and then they get to the next heat and i'm like holy shit this heat's stacked there's nothing but heavy hitters i was like holy fuck there's nothing but heavy hitters really left in this show
2: yeah they're yeah, yeah and that's the thing there's a lot of big not big there's a lot of really really great competitors still you know left in the season at this point
3: that's another thing that kind of worked against jay and michelle as well is it's the first time that there have been like people in the position of power that have to bring people into deliberation where there are no longer any like freebie teams
2: yeah exactly yeah so
3: that's another strike against them for trying to
0: figure out who to put in Mm-hmm. well and i know the targaryens are rookie rookie but i wouldn't consider them freebie either um because no one, that's the thing yeah one they've got you know balon the black dread and
2: balerion S- first of all
0: oh fuck i did fuck that up balerion the black dread <laughs> i'm sorry guys i'm just gonna stop that joke because i fucking murdered that yeah shit. you did <laughs> god i feel bad hopefully they don't uh, if I have to take the knee I will but hopefully they don't take the tongue
2: oh my gosh anyway so uh the round kicks off Michelle and Laurel take off and they're actually pretty close uh Laurel is out front of Michelle but on their way back Laurel starts to die out and Michelle talks about how you know she did a lot of swimming in high school and she knows like you have to pace yourself especially with these heavy puzzle pieces um Laurel obviously does not pace herself which allows Michelle to take the lead, and then the like Jay jumps in that water, and he is over to the other platform to get the puzzle piece. So fucking quick! Like he is such a good swimmer. He's
0: like fucking Aquaman out there.
2: But the one that impressed me the most was Anissa. Anissa stayed in third place all the way through that thing. She stayed in third place all the way two out to the first puzzle, and then she got back to the dock and and tagged in Jordan. And they were still in third place. And I was like, you know what? Fucking get it, Anissa. Because people are constantly ragging on her about how she doesn't have endurance. She doesn't belong on the challenge. Blah, bitty, blah blah, blah blah. And she freaking did that whole first part right there by herself. It wasn't like Jordan helped her or did it for her or anything. She did it. She got them into third place and gave Jordan a good place to start from. And like, so just fucking shouts to Queen Anissa, man. Because she deserves some recognition for that, in my opinion.
0: Oh, yeah. I completely agree. And I, here's my thing it's like, I don't think Anissa's a bad competitor. I think she's a no. really good competitor that gets really shitty luck when it gets later in seasons. Yeah. Yep. And that's it. And I agree. look, do I think she's going to go out there and she's going to dominate everyone in a final? No. But I've seen finals where a puzzle or something like that is what makes her break you. Yep. And so she, could she win? Yeah. I mean, so I I just don't like her and Nani. I don't get the fucking hate on him. I truly do not.
2: I don't either. It, it, yeah, it's it's crazy because
3: people pick somebody at random and it just so happens to be them. Because Fuck really, there's
0: nothing to there's nothing really to back it up. Yeah, they should probably pick like Jemmy or something instead. <laughs> just putting yes, that out that's there fair. or ketchup. I don't know. <laughs>
2: Anyway, so I actually had I was actually really confused by this next part. And I had a question mainly for you, Tony, because maybe you can provide some insight. But Bananas gives a confessional and he says, you know, we all thought Jay and Michelle were going to kill this. I mean, they come from Survivor. And I was just like thinking I'm like, but they don't like I mean, I get it. I get it. Absolutely. But like he's saying it like they do long distance swimming like all the fucking time in Survivor. And I'm like, Other than like them doing the initial when they used to swim from the boat to the to the island or whatever. Other than that, I can't really think of a time where there was like long distance swimming involved in like a survivor season. Is that like something that's like normal that I'm missing somehow or?
3: No, that's bananas. Who's probably never watched Survivor.
2: Okay, I was like, because that's what I thought. I was like, have you ever watched the show, Bananas? Because what are you talking about?
3: (laughs) He watched the episode that he did the recap on with Tyson on his podcast. Uh, Ah, But I want to say that he mentioned on it that he's never really watched the show. I don't know 100 percent, but I I think that was the case. And I mean, really, like invariably, you're going to have some swimming challenges, but it's going to be like. Swim from platform A to B, jump off, swim to C, whatever. Right. Or the the ones with the boats, it's generally paddle out, pick up these pieces as you go, turn around and paddle back. Right. But that's like the extent of it in the earlier seasons, depending on where tribal council was in relation to them, they would do like they would all like get in the boat. But I'm pr- I'm pretty sure they just got in the boat for the shot and paddled over and then get picked up by another boat <laughs> Probably. that actually took them to
2: tribal. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I agree. Okay, Did, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't freaking like misunderstanding that whole bar there. You I know what? Bro.
0: Look, like, I first of all, shout out to Chauncey. I, oh, I dig God. you, bro. I think you're super cool. I like you on this I episode. Him. I dig you and Amber. B, I'm rooting for y'all. Obviously, I drafted you guys on my fantasy team, which doesn't really mean shit, but I believe y'all. I believe in y'all. <laughs> But what the fuck happened on that jump into the water? (laughs) What happened?
2: It wasn't even like a belly flop. It was like a full on like face plant. Just boom. Just
0: (laughs) you see, you know, those videos uh, on YouTube where it's like Chuck Norris and he's like taking that, aiming that rifle and he takes that shot and it it cuts to a scene where someone like trips and falls and it looks like he's like (laughs) that's what it reminded me of like he was getting ready to dive in you cut to check north you know kind of thing so um that part
2: was pretty funny i i liked the part with jordan and anissa when they're like trying to get into the boat and you know jordan's like push off and she's like i can't i'm scared you know and he's like push off she's like i don't i'm scared to leave and he's like anissa you got this and then she pushes off you know whatever I liked that part because I feel like it showed a really like it showed the dynamic of their relationship, and Jordan actually handled Anissa very well in that moment and i it just i i liked it I don't know I don't want to like go too deep into it, but I like that one
3: they're a perfect team like they're perfect they are perfect partners for one another, yeah, it's nice because it almost the show started to do it in all stars three where they started to actually give us an accurate edit of Jordan, but now. Being partnered with Anissa, it almost forces them to keep the same edit going. Not that they weren't going to anyway, but it it sort of forces their hand because he is so supportive and he is a good partner that it really is an opportunity to showcase the side of Jordan that most people
0: have not seen. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And what I really so one, I, I know I was really skeptical or skeptical Am I even saying that fucking right? I yes. don't know. You but said it right like, twice. All right. Well, <laughs> if I'm of Jordan and Anissa's ride or die partnership and how ride or die they were, but they are working very well together. They have great synergy. I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, You want to
2: get punched tonight,
0: don't you? But I, I did like at this point in the daily in, uh, as far as in heat one, they're all pretty much in the boats at this part or getting close to, and we get a really good view on who's got the best stroke game. Oh my gosh. And it, might be the quote of the night because Devin goes, Olivia's a fucking beast. Look at that stroke. And I fucking <laughs> died. Like I literally like grabbed onto Karina laughing, crying. Because I'm a thirteen year old at heart.
2: That was awesome. It so, was it was funny too though because Olivia didn't even know who said that. Like she put it on Twitter and then she was like like at because we had responded to it and then she asked us like do you know who said that and we were like we think it was Devin and he he owned up to it so we do know that that one was Devin but I thought that was really freaking funny Jack talking about how the rescue boats must have been from the Mayflower like <laughs> oh shit yeah <laughs> and,
0: I forgot about that
2: and that Laurel must have rode with the Pilgrims because she's so good at it I was just like like this was a funny daily there was a lot of really good commentary in it
0: oh yeah I, I mean to me though like once again love these two bamber and chauncey but how the fuck did you sink that boat off of a dock
3: yeah it's like tj said it's almost impossible but somehow you did
0: it (laughs) (laughs) uh, they should get like you know like a guarantee safe this week because they did something that is damn near impossible according to tj (laughs) you know what and kind of going back to talking about anisa and jordan and we get a really great part of the show right here oh, yeah. where jordan is obviously trying to figure out how he's going to row this boat you know and obviously with his um with his hand not fully formed like everybody else's hand he's immediately at a disadvantage but where most people would be like dude i can't fucking do this he sits there and you know he keeps at it keeps at it and he figures it out And at first it's really fucking sloppy the way he's rowing. And they do a cut to Anissa giving a confessional, which I'll let Karina go into what she says, because it's beautiful what she says. So
2: I, I didn't even write it down, but she just talks about how inspiring Jordan is and that he won't give up and he will always work hard to try to find a way to work through his disability. And that that's probably why he's so good at everything because he's had to work harder than everybody else at just basic things like pulling a rope or rowing a boat or you know whatever. It was it was very beautiful.
0: Yeah. And what I like is as soon as they cut back to that, back to Jordan rowing, at this point he's figured it out. And he's rowing just as good as or if not better than everybody else out there. And he's like really making some fucking headway. Um they start
2: to catch up to Jay and Michelle. Like they're right behind Jay and Michelle. And that was impressive to me because to have that kind of a disability and be able to keep, get yourself into second place during the swim. And then while you're figuring out the the rowboat thing and all of that, Jay and Michelle are kicking ass. They're really good at this. They're fast swimmers. They were good in the boat, all of this. But Jordan was still able to stay right there. And that's just, it's so impressive to me.
0: Yeah, no. And I almost feel like saying, Jordan has a disability is such a disservice to the way Jordan himself looks at it from our conversations with him. I would say Jordan has a motivating factor at all times. There
2: you go. That's a yeah. I honestly I hate saying a disability because it's not I mean it is, but it's not. Like I I don't wanna I don't wanna disservice it on either end because it it is, but it's not to Jordan and he doesn't allow it to become a disability in his life, and that is just it's uh, that's why I love Jordan so much, honestly.
0: So, Jay and Michelle do great in this, and they end up winning oh. um, Heat One. It's it's close, but it's not that close, you know what they I mean? They
2: murdered it. Yeah, they yeah. did really good.
0: I mean, and it, I'm happy to see it, dude. Like, I want to see Jay and Michelle be successful. I like them both. Yeah, and even after this episode, I still like them both. I just I think there were <laughs> there were some mistakes that were made, Facts. you know, but. I'm, I mean, they I'm, knew that after the deliberation. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Before they even left the room. Yeah. But still stoked for them. Glad to see them totally. win a daily. Shows that they are competitors that can compete against some of the goats. Yeah. And pull it off. And hopefully they can keep some momentum going yeah. because they're going to need yep. it. Do
3: you know what I find interesting though? Mm-hmm. Huh. The last three teams to win, spoiler alert, Fessel. Nellie and Jay, Mm
1: -hmm.
3: they would be arguably the three vets that are the most questionable in regards to where their loyalties lie,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. but
3: they are the last three to win.
0: And I think if you look at what they did, you see a very direct difference in how Nellie and Fessy handled it compared to the way Jay and Michelle did. Yeah. And you're I unfortunately feel like we're going to see their game suffer because of this. Yeah, um, I do too. But anyways, here we're going to get further into that more. Yeah, we'll get oh, into obviously, that. we keep we have a lot to say because we keep repeating it. Well, let's but... just get
2: through heat 2. Yeah. So in heat 2, we've got Banani, we've got the Daves, Mariah and Fessel, the Targaryens, Casey and Kenny, and then Veronica and Darrell.
0: And obviously, if you don't know, the Daves are Tory and Devon.
2: Yeah, if you don't know that by now, then like, what are you, what are you I, doing?
0: I'm surprised the challenge didn't let them bring the duck. I know. For this, this is a prime prime duck time. <laughs> but this anyways. would have anchored them, though.
2: Yeah, we don't want the. duck. Well, now. I
0: meant like just leave it on the dock for like emotional support and to help them. They wouldn't even. Them.
2: They wouldn't even let them call each other Dave. Like we were listening, we're, we were listening to bet, the bet on Devin episode. I think it's like episode six where he has Tori deal on. We were listening to, to that the other night and Devin and Tori were talking about how they would be in confessionals and they'd refer to each other as Dave and the production would have to stop them and be like, OK, but like, can you call her Tori this time? Like, say it again and call her Tori this time because nobody knows who the fuck Dave is.
0: Everybody knows who Dave is.
2: <laughs> I was like, that's great.
0: Speaking of. Did you ever...
2: No, I didn't. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Okay. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I just... It wasn't the right day to put something like that up with what we already had up on our stories.
0: Fair enough. I just want to... I- iterate the fact that that was uh, a pursuit of passion for me. And yes. I think it, no, it, it shows will, it will
2: go. It will get posted and, and it will get tagged and all of that. Don't worry. Yet okay. you, you did a great phenomenal job. So,
0: um, yeah, obviously we get, like Karina said, the remaining people in heat too. They take off swimming. Uh, we got Casey in first, Tori in second, Nani in third on the swim. Hey, Casey's here. Yeah. I forgot. She was, I, know, I didn't even right? see Kenny except for at the email party. <laughs> in the background they
2: got no confessionals this week
3: i saw casey at the emo party and then i saw her in two wide shots
2: yeah Mm -hmm. but i
3: also all cards on the table fast forwarded through the daily because i already knew what happened and it took a really big chunk of the show
2: yeah
0: yeah it really did um it, the entertainment factor was watching Veronica oh swim in the completely wrong direction because she's doing the backstroke instead of like the doggy paddle, which is actually easier <laughs> and less taxing. Everybody
3: who did that, though, yeah, Jack did it too. Jack Everybody did it who too, did the yeah. backstroke went the wrong way.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, Darrell's just like screaming at her. He's like, Veronica, Veronica, stop. You're going the wrong way. TJ standing off to the side, just laughing his ass off, just losing it. I was like, this is just this is so funny. Like, I would have loved to be there in person for this moment.
0: So. I still don't know what happened, but Tori goes into first. Nani moves to second, but Casey drops to fifth. Like, what the fuck happened?
2: She must have just burnt herself out on that, on that the first swim out to the puzzle. And then when she got that puzzle piece, she must have just been burnt out or something. Because, yeah, she drops all the way down to fifth place. Nani moves into second, and Nani carries second all the way back to the platform And her and Bananas hop, you know, obviously, Tori and Devin are first and they take off first in their little rowboat. But Bananas and Nani are second. And I was like, you know what? Fuck yes, Nani. Fucking get it. Because, again, once again, she's another one that people are always freaking going after and talking about how terrible she is. And she doesn't have endurance. And she, you know, is this terrible challenger. And why does she get called back? Blah, 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 blah. Like, she fucking killed it. She did a good job until they got into the
0: rowboat. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: But, yeah.
0: So, uh, we get through uh, the guys part of the swim. And then Devin and Tori are the first people to take off on the boat. Yeah. Followed by Mariah and and Vessel. Well, they get into the boat. They get into the boat. They attempt. And I don't understand how... She's trying to listen to him explain how to row a boat instead of looking over at Tori and Devin who are rowing said fucking boat.
2: But why why does Fessy keep telling her to he's like, now now grab it underneath? I'm like, You're supposed to hold it like this. Like, why are you telling her to grab it from underneath the I was so confused.
3: I didn't understand how she was holding on to them to begin with. Like I kept looking at it and I couldn't I couldn't figure out and like no disrespect Mariah but I couldn't figure out how you would look at a pair of oars when you're in a boat and then be like this is the way to hold on to these suckers and yeah it's not yeah I have no I I don't I don't get it I don't know I don't know why that's your first impulse but then also based on what Fessel was saying to her she would be no better off so (laughs) like they might as well just Pushed the boat to one side, got water in it, and then been like, oh, guess we're going to go stand with Bamber and Chauncey. Well, yeah. I don't
2: remember who said it, but somebody was like, they're not even on the course anymore. Like, they had just drifted off because yeah. they couldn't fucking row the boat. I was like, fucking, oh, my God.
0: Neither can Nani. Nani's just pushing one paddle, so they're just going in small circles.
2: <laughs> oh, it was Jordan. Yeah, he says they're doing 360s oh. for Mariah and Fessy aren't even on the course anymore. I just like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Nani can't even get the oars up out of the water. Like she's holding them correctly, she just can't get them to to go or do anything. So, you know, I mean, she kind of killed that whole you know amazing swim thing that she had just done, which kind of sucked. But you know, still props for the swim part. Maybe work on learning how to row a boat. no oh.
0: <laughs> the the highlight of this whole section, though, to me, honestly, was the Targaryens, Kim oh, and yeah. Colleen, yeah, because. Colleen smoked it was doing great and then fucking Kim like kind of like Jordan start off a little bit slow but all of a sudden look like a fucking duck on water like he was born there Um, Jay's
2: comment about it though oh my god he was like Were they born rowing? Like did they row out of their (laughs) (laughs) mothers? I was like, yep, that's that's great. Oh, and Kim, oh my gosh, how adorable is he? Like my God. So he goes to a confessional and he's like, you know, we want some power so we can kick some asses. And like he was like he's like, I don't know, he just seemed like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like shy about like saying saying the word asses and it was just it was so cute. I love Kim. I know what happens at the end of the episode, blah blah blah, and I'm I'm upset about it. But I like him and he did really good on this.
0: Yeah, no, he did. And here's my theme is if they were just a little bit more evolved in the like actual show, like mm-hmm. as far as like communicating with other teams and yeah. actually trying to play the game on a deeper role than just the like rookie if this role. This wasn't their rookie season. Well, dude. At the same time, like I feel like I feel like it's two ways, and I think this is a mirror of the whole show. Is that it's that whole excuse of phones work both ways, yeah, right. You know, like how many of these rookies are going out and over and beyond trying to connect with one of these, you know, vet challengers because
2: they made a rookie alliance in the beginning. Yeah, so.
0: you know, and that's my thing is, but I, I would I would really love to see. Kim and Colleen get another opportunity, oh yeah, even if yeah. it's not as partners and they're you know just on a season yeah. i I think I think they would uh create a, an internet uh, an interesting uh competitive dynamic, yeah, so I, I just agree. want to put that out there, yep,
3: well, and the the thing too is like you can't even say not that you were, but you can't even say like you need to watch the show before you come on the show because, in all honesty, if you watch the show then you know there's no point even talking to the vets because all they're going to do is pick off the rookies. Mm -hmm. So really your only option is to side with the other rookies in the house and hope that you have enough numbers until they bring in three vet-vet pairs.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be honest. I just want a season where there's not necessarily all rookies because we just got that in USA, but I want a season where it's like all no, no winners. I don't want any chance, like an
2: invasion of the champs, but without the actual just champs invas- invading. But like what it was for the first yeah. few episodes. Yeah, you know? I just
0: want a bunch of veterans that haven't won. I yeah. just want to see a new winner.
2: Like three to four seasons. Like, don't you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I would love, I would love that.
0: Anyway, so the second heat comes down to the Targaryens and the two Daves. Uh, obviously, the two Daves pull it out. Come on, yeah, come yeah. on.
2: But it's close. Like literally, yeah. this is the one that was like. Devin and Tori were pulling up to their dock and getting out to put their crown and they started putting their crown together as the Targaryens were pulling up to their dock and hopped out like it was literally like seconds. So shouts out to Kim and Colleen because they actually really did a great job in this in this daily, regardless of the fact that they didn't end up taking the first place win.
0: So we get back to the docks um, or to where they line up and TJ is talking to him. And first of all, before, before we go any further, that fucking scarf that TJ was wearing was glorious.
2: It was, I was so confused about it it for a while until somebody pointed out that it was his, between that and his shirt, it was be Burger King colors. And I was like, are you, if that's really why they put him in a yellow shirt and a red scarf, I'm going to be upset because like they could have done so much better. Like, They They could have put him in
0: a fucking Whopper.
2: They could have. Well, I'm just saying, or give him like a Burger King shirt and a crown. He could have fucking, they could have done like themed jerseys for that day for the actual chat. Like, there's just so many different things they could have done. And I felt like it was just like haphazardly thrown together. Be Like, oh, Burger King colors. Let's put you in a yellow shirt and a red scarf. I'm like, oh my God, that's lazy.
0: I didn't even know Burger King colors were red and yellow. So I, even if they weren't, I couldn't call Karina on it because I don't fucking know. (laughs) <laughs> so, um. but so they get back. TJ lets them know that between the two Daves and Jay and Michelle, Jay and Michelle had one with the fastest time, but it was pretty close. So, congrats, congratulations to Jay and Michelle on their first daily win of the season.
2: And they get 5K cash. Yeah.
0: Team Survivor. And I think it's Michelle's first daily ever, isn't it? I think that's it? her first daily win. Yeah, yeah. So, shout out to Michelle yeah. on that.
2: Might even be Jay's, or has he won a daily No, no he Jay won one with,
0: with, with Teresa. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, well. yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right. <laughs> so, we get back to the house, and we get the, you know, the Burger King feast, which was... <sighs> just fascinating yeah but <laughs> so
2: uh, intriguing
0: <laughs> so from there we go into um the basically the deliberation between jay and michelle and who they're going to put in and it really kind of boils down pretty quick that you know they're going to throw in anisa jordan veronica and Durrell, and then they kind of de- debate on if they're going to do another veteran or if they're going to throw in kim and Colleen. And then it's Jack and Laurel. Jack
2: and Laurel were the first ones out of their house. Here's my thing. So quick. And Jay was like, yeah, sure. Of course. You know,
0: I I just don't get like how. I don't know. I just feel like it was a poor decision to bring them down there. They would have been so much better suited to bring down Bananas and Nani over Jack.
2: There's so many other people in the house they could have done rather than bring down people that could have been numbers for them. And it's- I get I get in the beginning of the season people were kind of like in the first couple episodes people were kind of using this this nomination chair to like make alliances with other people, but you're so deep into the game now that there's not a lot of people to nominate and there's not a lot of Whoa. people left to make alliances with. So pulling somebody down and putting them in danger of having to go in is not going to work like that anymore.
0: Well, the only time it worked was the first episode with Johnny and Raven
2: when nobody knew what was happening.
0: Yeah. But once you know that you're, if you get called in that you're going down there it, to the ring,
2: it worked with Nelson and Norris too. They worked out some really, a really good situation that ended up working out really good for Nelson and Norris's game worked out for Olivia and Aracio's game, you know, and also worked out for Veronica and Darrell's game. But yeah, like it's just not that kind of format where you can use nominations to make an alliance because you're already insulting people by putting them in danger of having to go home.
0: But that wasn't a guarantee that it was going to work out. They just got lucky. It could have very well None been, of them are. you know, and that's what I'm saying is like there. It's basically like saying I'm throwing you into elimination. Let's make an alliance.
2: Exactly. It doesn't. Work. It,
0: it, that doesn't fucking work at yeah. all.
3: It's almost as if they forgot that the dagger draw happens with the other three teams. Yeah. Yeah. They had the same conversation. Cause I know because Michelle said the exact same thing at the start of every interview, but it's all, like almost like they thought that like that they had it in their head that they were only picking one team yeah. to actually put in. But I will say like, I will give credit where it's due. They are probably in the worst position in the game to win because not only like i said before we're no longer at a point where there are freebies like everybody who's there could conceivably like take it yeah but they're also at the bottom of the vets so they could shoot at them but then that means that they're never going to be in alliance with the vets and they're going to be completely relegated with the rookies right the flip side is they're sort of working with the rookies but because of all the vet vet teams that came in the rookie alliance really can't do anything because they don't have the numbers anymore. Well,
0: why don't you just they? It came out that Michelle had talked with Tori and Devon, and they had a deal together, right? Why don't they just go and talk to Anisa then and say we want to work with you, just like we're working with Tori and Devon, and then go talk to Fessy and Mariah and say the same thing, and then go talk to you know whoever else is in this fuck in the fucking vacation alliance, Nani. Or not even talk to Donnie. And then you're throwing in bananas, Kim and Colleen, Amber and Chauncey, and then, you know, whoever else. And you've got, it's just, if you're going to take a shot, you got to take a big shot and know it's going to work. And throwing in two vet vet teams, but to be completely fair, two vet vet teams who are nowhere near on the woman's side Anywhere equal to Laurel and Jack is a bad idea if Laurel and Jack are the ones you want to get out.
3: The, the other thing with that, too, though, is when Nani and Bananas threw in Jay and Michelle in the very beginning, Michelle said that if she was on the other side of the table, she would never say Nani's name. This was even when they were in deliberation, not necessarily before. So she would also be going back on her word to Nani at that point if she did throw them in. And I understand that she's saying, like, that means that they'll owe us one, which doesn't mean anything with Bananas and Nani when they're trying to get a win. But I do see from her standpoint, not that I agree with it, because I think that it would have been a better move to throw in Bananas and Nani. I do see why she didn't, because she has already said specifically, I would not say your name if I was on that side of the table. So it's sort of hypocritical to then turn around and do just what you said you wouldn't do and what you were pissed at Nani for doing.
0: Well, and here's my thing is like if it was just Nani and it was Nani partnered with anyone but Bananas, I would 100% agree with you. 100%. But at this point, it is not a personal thing. I get you have a personal relationship out there. But as much as your personal relationship with Nani comes down to it, if you and Nani, if Michelle and Nani were partners and they went to a final and Michelle and Nani had the opportunity to take the money, you're telling me Nani's not going to take that money? Yeah. You know, and, and maybe she doesn't, but you're not going to tell me that Nani wouldn't put her up for elimination if it's between her and Nani to go to a final. Yeah, I mean, like at the end of the day, you're playing the challenge to win a million dollars for you. Yeah, not win a million dollars for your best friend, unless you're Nelson and you're in there with Corey. <laughs> but it, it's just to me, it was it was a very short sighted move. Yes, not thinking about the long game because you're protecting one team that has already done you poorly to put yourself on the bad side of four other teams
2: yeah
3: yep and that's why i said i understand where she's coming from i'm not saying it's the right
0: move yeah i i I understand where she's coming from but i disagree with her logic behind it
2: yeah so really quick sorry i just want to say a couple of things um I don't necessarily think it's or I don't think it's absolutely necessary that we go step by step through every one of these meetings in the interrogation room. Pretty much everybody tells Jay and Michelle that they're stupid. But the one that really stuck out to me was when Michelle and Jay sat down with Veronica and Durrell and they're talking and, you know, Veronica pretty much like calls them out and they're like, she's like, I don't understand why Bananas and Nani are not up on the board. And Jay said something about, you know, that they wanted to put people up to try to break up some of the alliances and stuff. And Veronica says to him, she's like, well, I don't know who you're trying to break up here. And that was that that moment. I was like, yeah, duh. Like these people are not working together. Like you've got a Laurel and Jack with Veronica and Darrell, like what? And then Anissa and Jordan, like none of these people are actually working together. All you did was go after vets, which I get. But at the same time, like you just I I don't know, it was just it was a really weird choice. And then for them to kind of use that excuse of like trying to break up allies, it just it it was I don't know, it was a weak, weak excuse to me.
3: I want to know how much time they had from the moment that they won to the Burger King feast to going into that room
0: and picking four teams, because that makes a huge difference. I would assume it's same day because it looks like the names are posted at night, yeah. you know, so that's yeah. my assumption that it's a couple hours, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, three hours right. would be my assumption. And the common, going back to the deliberations, the one common theme that I saw running through all of this is that Michelle kept saying, you know, we don't ever talk game. Yep. So I wanted to see where yep. your head was at. Well, that's a conversation before you've nominated someone to go into elimination. This isn't and this is my gripe with Michelle and I will not so much give her the pass, but I'm still going to I'm going to give her the pass, but I'm still going to bitch about how this was a poor decision, which is in challenge. You can very much want someone to go in and it be known to that person that you've been trying to get them eliminated. And then go and they end up not getting eliminated. And then two weeks later, you're working with that person. Like alliances and relationships are very fluid in Survivor and they're very quick paced. In the challenge, it's not that. You put someone up for elimination and you're ruining their chances at that game and that money your your credibility your your uh, ability to make any type of deals with that person is done
2: well and also i also want to point out kind of going back to the conversation thing I think that's another big difference between the way that survivor is played and the way that the challenge is played. Whereas like survivor, like you have these conversations, blah, 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 blah. But once you have that winner from the daily, those those conversations intensify. Right. They they just they they get a lot bigger and a lot stronger talking about who you want to work with, who you want to get out. The challenge, you can't wait until then you have to spend time building these alliances up. You can't wait until you win and then all of a sudden go try to have all these conversations and lock in all these lines unless it's like the first few weeks. But like you've been there for like four weeks now. These are conversations that you should have already been having, in my opinion, you know, and I think that's really where Michelle drops the ball is that she is very adamant on she did great in Survivor and she played the game well and she won and blah, bitty, blah, 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 blah. And it feels like she's very intent on trying to play this, play the challenge the same way. And it just doesn't work that way. And I, I want her to realize because I like Michelle and I like Jay. I love Jay and I feel bad for him. The the second thing that I wanted to throw out there that I'm not sure that a lot of people know and this is per Jay because I saw him. He wrote it in a comment on his post. He said that despite the edit on the show, he actually had a very big say in the nominations. Yeah. So everybody who's out here ripping into Michelle and saying she ruined Jay's game and and sh- people hate Michelle because you know she she took the she took the season away from Jay. Blah 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 blah. Jay had a big say in this. He's very adamant and he is sticking by it. Not once has he posted or said anything about regretting it or anything like that. He is sticking by it. And every time somebody says to him, you know, oh, you just you guys ruined your game. He replies to them and says, well, we'll see with a little winky face. So maybe this does end up working out differently for them than what I view it or what I foresee. But I did want to point out that it wasn't just Michelle. Michelle didn't just you know dig a hole and bury jay in it he he is also holding the shovel and they're they're working together they're ride or dies working together digging that hole <laughs> so i just wanted to make that clear to everybody so i'm gonna
0: run through this part real quick because it is fucking awkward it's it's tough to watch the, the awkwardness of this but we with there's the- not really much to to transcribe no. i said but I did I did like the fact that Jay apologized to Jack right away. Like, he was like, you know. But at the same time, he had a say in this, and he made the decision and kind of just, I don't know, say, look, I I don't get It's it, a game, man. It's a game, yeah. That's all you can really say at that point. But it, it, I, it was funny because Michelle's like, look, we haven't really talked game and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's just she ends her, like, sentence, and it's really quiet. And she goes, well, are you going to – you know, answer us. And she's like, did you ask, are you going to ask us a question? Yeah, I, I fucking lost. It. I thought it was funny as shit, but yeah. it just amplified how different Michelle is in personality and how she handles situations and the way Laurel is. Like we were saying yesterday, they very much are oil and water in the way they handle social interactions. And I can see why Michelle feels a certain type of way about the way Laurel, the way she thinks Laurel's approaching her in this game, you know, it yeah. makes sense. But, you know, like Alan said on uh, Alan Aguire said on Twitter, which was Laurel's a pretty fucking open and closed book. If you went if Michelle would have went up to her and said, hey, where do I stand with you like in this game? Laura will probably pull out a notebook and show you where you line up in the numbers. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's kind of like the mistake I think that they made is and I know I'm repeating myself, but the fact that they tried to have a conversation, a game conversation in deliberations when you've already put people up for elimination via a week before you won. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. And I mean I I that's what I that's kind of what I was getting at when I was asking, like, I wonder how long there is between like when they get back to the house to when they have to go in because I mean, not to say that they didn't expect to win, but they probably didn't know how good of a shot they had until they saw the daily. And then when they won, it was probably a matter of like, Oh shit, we haven't had these conversations because most of the people that they're super close with have just recently gone home. So they, they haven't been working with the vets because they were working with the rookies So there's not really a lot of people left that they can actually like that. They probably would have already had those game conversations with. So if they went like right from the feast and like they might have pulled them from the feast to go to um, like the deliberation room or whatever and pick their four, then it could just be that they legitimately didn't have time to talk to anybody. And they were like, well, shit, well, why don't we just use this? And then as soon as the deliberations were over. Jay was like, well
0: that was a dumb idea yeah yeah and, and that pretty Michelle much Michelle
2: said it too yeah
0: and there was yeah. i don't know how many times they showed it where jay's just got his fucking head down on the table because yeah. of how fucking rough this is going
2: yeah it's not like, pretty.
0: you know they probably would have been a lot better suited to win a fucking daily like first or second episode instead of episode five it just kind of it, it, yeah they got no, so much absolutely. blood on their hands it's it,
3: just gonna say i find it funny that like It was Jay and Nelson who had the conversation in the kitchen about how it's better to not win because then you don't have to make those decisions. And then they won back to back.
2: Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
0: (laughs) So at this point, we kind of go back to the house and we get Michelle Michelle and Jay talking to Banana and Nani's. I don't think but I don't think think,
2: I don't think think Nani was there. I just wrote Banani in my notes, but. I don't think Nani was standing there. I believe it was just it was just bananas and maybe like Darrell might have been right around there. But they were just directly talking to bananas.
0: I like how bananas like, oh, I'll definitely repay you guys. Like, I'll repay you by putting you into fucking elimination. Well,
2: and then his confessional, he's like, I'm just saying whatever I have to say to butter their balls and, (laughs) you know, hope that it pays off for me in the future. So I'm like, Michelle's expecting help in the future. Jay
3: already knows.
2: Yeah, Jim, Bananas just just buttering you both up, hoping that you'll continue to do him favors in the future. Like, There's a shot just, of
3: Jay, like when Bananas says it, there's like a single frame of Jay's face. And I was like, well, at least Jay doesn't believe a single
0: word that Bananas is saying right now. Did you notice in that whole interaction, Bananas didn't look at Jay one time? His eyes yeah. was strictly on Michelle.
3: Yep. I also wrote just and I I'm proud of it, so I wanted to make sure I mention it. That any IOU from bananas is actually an IO me. Exactly. Exactly
0: what it and that's is. that's
2: pretty much what he said. So
0: this is much as I loved the stroke game. This is quote, my line of the night. Yeah, it's it's my line of the night too. And
2: might even be line of the season. Like
0: be- because <laughs> you gave me the stroke game quote i'm i'm gonna let you take laurel this and jack
2: are talking and jack just says to her he says i've never gotten over anything anybody has ever done to me so <laughs> i was just like yes you are my petty spirit animal i fucking love you jack
0: I never forget Thank you <laughs> never
2: and then from there we go over Doral and veronica have a little talk and this is where they talk about the potentially saving Kim and Colleen as, like, um, a scapegoat alliance kind of thing, right? Because they're both both teams are cons- consistently sent down to the zone, and they're like, look, if we make an alliance with Kim and Colleen, at least then, you know, we can continue to save each other If if we happen to pull the dagger when we're down there. And, you know, that would be a solid alliance. And I was like, honestly, like, that's pretty fucking smart, man. Like, that might be the way to go. You're going to piss some people off. <laughs> but... That yeah. might be the way to go, you know? That's so what,
3: That's what Nelson and Norris told them to do with Horacio and Olivia.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But the I do. Did anybody else notice? I don't know if you guys watch the Gilmore Girls, but Jack and Laurel's conversation was like the first part of it was like straight out of the Gilmore Girls. They're speaking at half sentences and then were, somebody else was just like cutting the other one off and starting their half a sentence, and then the other one chimed back in. Mm. Even with closed captioning, I had no idea what was going on until Jack started talking about how he never forgets anything that anyone's ever done to him. The yeah. whole first part of that, no idea what was happening. They were <laughs> like, it was half sentences back and forth, and it was, there was no substance to the first yeah. half of the sentence. Only they knew what was going on
2: yeah no that was that was pretty funny um
3: speaking of laurel
2: well, see, and that's what, that's literally what I was about to say. I was about to bring this up because, yes, the deliberation meeting was fucking awkward, but this little meeting of Michelle and laurel in laurel's bedroom was even more awkward, and honestly, I think Michelle made it worse by going and trying to talk to Laurel at this point, like she so she goes and she approaches laurel and asks her like where her head's at and laurel's like i don't know what you mean by that like you keep telling me you want me to know where you want to know where my head's at and she's like i'm in elimination like you fucking put me there so what do you mean you know and she was like you want me to tell you what to do i think at this point michelle is is looking for validation that it was okay that she did what she did and that her and laurel would be able to move past it and move forward together she even tells her I'm I'm looking for a way that maybe we could move forward and bro, Laurel is not the fucking one, man. That at that your your chances of working with Laurel are done. There she will not forget this and she will fucking come for your ass the first chance she gets if she well, gets a chance.
0: And here's the thing is like it's such a Big Brother survivor move. I put you up for elimination, but I want to see where your head's at. What are you thinking? Yeah. You know, and it's like, no, 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 no. Like, that's not how this works in the challenge. In the challenge, you have that conversation before eliminations, before nominations. And here's my thing is, I don't know what Michelle was expecting to get out of this. Like, was she expecting that Laurel was going to hold her hand and say, Everything's gonna be okay because Laurel's, we're gonna be fine. Yeah, she Laurel's expected, not that girl.
2: She expected what she got from Anissa because right before she goes to talk to Laurel, she talks to Anissa in the hallway, and Anissa butters her up, and she's like, "Look, yeah. you're gonna be fine. Just make the right decision." I think she was expecting the same kind of conversation yeah. with Laurel to go in and smooth things out so that she didn't feel so guilty and it didn't feel so hot in the house, right? But that's just that's not how Laurel plays. And she's not going to Laurel is a straight shooter and she is going, you know, if she's pissed off at you or not, you will never have to question that, you know, and even Michelle says in this moment after the conversation with Laurel, she says that maybe she made it up. She made all of this up in her head. And I'm just like, oh, my dear God, Michelle, like, are you fucking serious? Because the whole episode I was like, what did we miss? Like what happened between Laurel and Michelle? Because we didn't see anything. There was no kind of confrontation. I haven't heard anything in spoilers or online or anything like that about, you know, thing fights that were cut or whatever, like the Raven, Nerese, and you know, Olivia or I'm sorry, not Olivia, but Colleen and Devin and all that. I hadn't heard anything about Michelle and Laurel. It's like, what the fuck? And then yeah. she says this and I'm like, okay, so it is just in your head, you just made all this up and you're just paranoid because you're threatened by Laurel.
3: Now, the flip side. I will say that that interaction and that conversation is probably what led to Laurel and Jack getting thrown in.
1: Yes. Because I agree. They
3: were already, I think that it came to a point where Michelle was like, this bridge has already been burned, rebuilt, and burned again. Yeah. Just to ensure that it was impassable. And then that was the least, the damage had already been done at that point. So it was the path of least resistance they were going to piss the least amount of people off by just continuing to piss off the same two people that were already pissed off with them
0: yeah yeah i mean to me it's the bridge got lit on fire michelle went into that room tried to survey if the bridge could get built again and then this fucking giant named laurel came out and just fucking stepped on her it was like, no, there's no bridge getting rebuilt. <laughs> Fuck off with that yeah. shit. Right. Um, but anyways, we go from this into elimination where this elimination is going to be called Give Me Some Slack. Like you said, Jay and Michelle choose Laurel and Jack.
2: They say it's because the Jack and Laurel wouldn't communicate with them, though. And I'm like, you know, just like... Just say what it really is. And he it's says a moment bad later,
0: communication, not non-communication
2: When well, He says it later. He says, honestly, it's like Jack is just with the wrong partner. And just say that, yep. like, I, we don't like Laurel. We're not getting along with Laurel. And that's what it is like.
3: Michelle's not getting along
2: with Laurel. Yeah. These two aren't getting along and I got to have my partners back. I'm sorry because I love Jack, but this is just it's a game and this is what it yeah. is. Like, I would have respected that response way more than being like, well, they were the one team that, you know, like, no, just say what you mean. And I'm glad that Jay finally spit it out and just said what, what it really came down to. Yeah. Because I hate when people try to give those, like, fluffy excuses. Bullshit. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, so
0: uh, we go to the draw. Kim and Colleen pull the middle dagger. Ends up being a blank. Up next was Anissa and Jordan. They pull the left dagger. It's a blank. Obviously, leaving Veronica and Durrell to pull the dagger on the right-hand side, which means they're safe. They say this part killed me. Where Veronica's like talking through her decision. Obviously, production wants her to do this. Yeah, and she talks about how like there's been no conversations in the game, and she really doesn't know where Anisa's at, and you know all of this, like kind of leading to the says, fact that
2: says she was waiting and expecting for some kind of word or sign from Anissa that they, you know, that they were cool or whatever
3: when they both got nominated or whatever.
0: Yeah, and here's my thing is. If I was Anissa and she said that to me, I would have just looked over and said, Veronica, that's implied after twenty years.
2: Well, and the uh, the phone goes both ways. We brought this up earlier in the episode, and I think that's a recurring theme this episode. Like the phone goes both ways. So, Veronica, while you're sitting there waiting for Anissa to approach you, she may be sitting there waiting for you to approach her. You know, like it 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 goes both ways, and I think that that's just like one of the silliest things. And I'm glad that Anissa and Darrell decided to save. I'm sorry. I'm glad Veronica and Daryl decided to save Anissa and Jordan over the Targaryens, although I am sad that they end up going home. But I'm glad that they that they, they said it, and I'm glad that Veronica said it the way she said it because she made it very clear to Veronica that, or very clear to Anissa that, hey, I'm doing this despite the fact we didn't have any conversations. I'm going to hold true to you because you're a good friend of mine. And- You know, implied that I expect you to repay the favor in the future if you have the chance, and you know. So I'm I'm glad about that, but it it was just it was it's weird. I don't like that those situations where it's like, well, I was waiting for her to go talk to her yourself. Why don't you approach her?
3: I have a question though. Yeah, go ahead. We've got like top tier players right now, right? Especially people like Jordan, for example, who's super analytical. Why would he of all people? not have paid attention to where the safe dagger has been in the past. Yeah. Because we talked about it last week, once we figured out who's left and who's right we were referring to, that the dagger was going to be on the right, because it hadn't been yet. So mm-hmm. it stands to reason that it's not going to continually bounce between two spots. Right. Right. But no, like,
2: it seems like nobody's keeping track. of Yeah. It. Yeah. Daryl
3: and Veronica. Like, I know full well that if Devin and Tori were in there, Devin would know exactly where that safe dagger is.
2: Fuck yeah, he would.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Agree. And it just boggles my mind that, like, they haven't been keeping track of where a one in
0: three chance has gone thus far. <laughs> Yeah,
2: it is weird. That is very strange.
0: So um, for this elimination, the way it's set up is you have two climbing walls. It's set up at a 90 degree angle. So you're on one wall, your partner's on the other wall. One wall has this giant like pyramid shaped.
2: They're just big, giant puzzle pieces that have different colors and and shapes and then colors of shapes on each side of it. The other side of them has the smaller puzzle pieces that match those. So one partner's on one side shouting out to the other one to let them know what order the pieces go in, what colors and all of that kind of stuff. The trick to this one is that when you go up, your partner goes down. It's like one of those like pulley systems. And so the first person or the first part uh, pair to complete the puzzle, they have like a little stand down on the ground that they got to put the puzzle together in order First one to do that wins.
0: You know, as soon as Laurel saw harnesses and ropes, she was like, Motherfucker, TJ. (laughs) You son of a bitch. bitch." (laughs) 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 Fucking PTSD coming back. Um, I did
2: find it interesting how they how they, you know, set this up though. Like, so Jack was on the puzzle yelling out to Laurel to let her know what pieces to get and what order they went in. So technically Laurel was putting the puzzle together. But Kim and Colleen flipped that and Colleen was climbing the wall and yelling out to Kim and Kim was putting the puzzle together. And I, I don't know why. I just found it interesting that they wouldn't have used Kim to climb the wall because he's so fucking tall.
0: Long arms. Yeah. They used
3: him to climb so that Colleen could get wherever she needs to go, though.
2: I guess that's true, too, because he it, like I said, it's a pulley system. But I, I, but they also had different strategies. So Jack and Laura were going piece by piece. Jack would. Let her know, you know, this is the spot we're in. These are the colors and the shapes, whatever. Laura would find it, put it down on the floor, and she was putting hers together on the ground and then would move it up onto the stand once they got everything done. Kim, wasn't Colleen wasn't even telling him anything. He just started climbing up there and just started pulling all the puzzle pieces down onto the ground so that he could look at the puzzle pieces on the ground. And... I think that was actually a really good approach. You know, obviously they're going against, you know, a seasoned veteran in Laurel, but I thought that was actually a pretty smart approach to the, to the game. Well, he even
0: called for, I'm sorry, go ahead, Tony. I was just
3: going to say that's to me was
0: the superior approach, no matter the outcome. Agreed. And I mean, it, it, I think what happens shows that in the fact that he calls for a check first. Yeah. He He, just, he
2: gets it wrong.
0: What? One piece off. We
2: find out later that they were only one piece off. Yeah.
0: But right after that, Laurel Laurel
2: puts hers up and the whole right side falls as soon as TJ's walking over to check it, which I was just like, bro, is she going to get fucked in this elimination again because of some just some stupid random like bullshit, whatever. So Jack and Laurel decide to start over. And I found it interesting. Tori comes in with a confessional here and she talks about how Jack and Laurel deciding to just start their puzzle over again is a veteran move because a lot of people would sit there and waste a lot of time trying to just, like, individually, like, figure out where the mistake is in their pe- in their puzzle. And I think that's what Kim and Colleen were doing. And that's why they kept getting so distracted. So Laurel and Jack pretty much start over from the beginning, and they just go piece by piece again, just redoing the puzzle, double-checking everything. And, you know, Laurel ends up calling for a check, and, and they get it right. And this is where and TJ lets Kim and Colleen know that they literally were one piece off and they lost by one piece, which is really sad. But I was actually really impressed as well. Um, you know, so shouts to them. They actually did really good in that elimination. And man, I'm 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 sad that they're going. I didn't think that I would say that. Like if you would have asked me at the beginning of the season, i have been like, no, nah, I'm not going to give a shit about them. But I'm actually sad to see them leave. I, I was starting to like them a lot.
0: I enjoyed them a lot. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. If you would have asked me in the beginning of the season who was going to be Robert Baratheon to these Targaryens, oh I wouldn't have chosen Laurel and Jack. But <laughs> such a dark. with that being said, I was happy to to see Laurel and Jack win. I like yeah. the Targaryens, but you know when
2: Laurel's now in like the top four for exactly. like the most most elimination wins in history. She's in the, those double digits now. Jack's got his first win. So that's super cool. You know, they were super pumped. Like he's just like hanging there and he's like, "Now get me down so I can hug my best fucking friend. Like (laughs) it was just, it was cute. I like them together. He's able to deal with Laurel's communication style and she's able to deal with his very well, which a lot of people can't deal with that type of communication style that Laurel has. So I like them. I'm happy for them. And, uh, Yeah, I I am sad to see Kim and them go, but, you know, I am happy that Laurel stayed. I found the interaction between Laurel and TJ when he was congratulating Laurel. I found that a little odd because she was talking about how, you know, it feels good to win an elimination again because she had two losses in a row on her previous two seasons. And TJ made a comment to her and says, you know, it took you bringing your ride or die to break those curses. And I'm like, those curses, like, what are we talking about right now, TJ? Like, oh my God, dude. It was weird to watch this interaction with them when literally like less than a month ago we were watching that unseen footage of the last time they were in they interacted in an elimination ring together. It was just it just the whole thing felt awkward. Maybe it was just me, but it felt awkward.
0: (laughs) It was super awkward. Super awkward, because I caught on to it right away, too. Yeah. Look, at so, I mean, a real good synopsis for the way this all panned out was Michelle and Jay sent home a potential number for them in the Targaryens, and in turn brought back Laurel and Jack, and Laurel pissed off at you is not good.
2: Plus, a bunch of the rest of the house is pissed off, because, like...
0: Their days are numbered after this. It it was just... it wasn't the worst move I've ever seen and it wasn't done out of stupidity. It was done out of ignorance of not having the experience of knowing how the house goes. Yeah. And hopefully this is a very big stepping stone and lesson for Jane, Michelle in the future and in yeah. how to play the politicking and the nominations to try to get the least amount of blood on your hands to further your game. Mm-hmm. um, But nonetheless, this is all us saying this as a Monday morning quarterback, you know, 2020 (laughs) hindsight, because we've watched the episode in the in the midst of it when they were making the nominations and they thought it was a good idea. But right after nominations were done, they knew it was a shit idea. So, yeah. But with that being said, this is part of the reason we tune in to watch the challenge is sometimes to see some sloppy fucking gameplay because it makes it entertaining and awkward and it's a different change of pace to a show. So. Um, it's
2: unpredictable I, I I, couldn't have at the beginning of the episode aside from the fact that certain pairs were getting a lot of confessionals and that's another way that I feel that the challenge kind of foreshadows what's happening in that episode because the people who are mainly involved with like the elimination the daily wins etc get the most confessionals but aside from that I wouldn't have been able to like tell you exactly who was going to be nominated like it was very surprising <laughs> So, but I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty much it for the episode. Should we
0: do our MVPs?
2: Yeah, we can, we can do MVPs. Um, do you want me to start?
0: Yeah, you start for it. it.
2: Okay. Um. So I'm sure people aren't going to like this, but I'm going to give my, my MVPs to Laurel and Jack because of the elimination when I think that Laurel stayed true to herself and the way that she handled the situation. I liked that Jack went and kind of tried to talk to Jay and tried to smooth things over, even though Jay had put him in like not harm's way, but like in the line of fire to potentially go home. So I I really enjoyed that. And I'm going to give my honorable mentions to Jay and Michelle for winning the Daily. I think that they absolutely wasted their win and 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 with with not going with a more strategic approach to their nominations and who they sent down especially because the person they sent town came back. (laughs) So, uh, but I am going to give them an honorable mention for that because they did kick ass on that daily.
3: So I'm going to split the show into two halves. Uh, The first half, the MVP goes to Jay Michelle for winning the daily. And then the back half is Laurel and Jack for (laughs) (laughs) winning the elimination with an honorable mention to Jordan for never being able to come up against anything
0: that he yeah. cannot overcome quickly in the moment and excel at.
2: Yeah. I, I like it. that.
0: So same for MVP Laurel and Jack win the elimination, my honorable mention though, um, will not be going to Jay and Michelle because I feel like this was a, a, a detriment to their game instead of a positive, which a, a daily win should be true. But, My honorable mention goes to the Targaryens. Um, I've enjoyed watching them, Kim and Colleen. I don't know their last name, so that's why I call them the Targaryens. And besides (laughs) the obvious,
2: I know Kim is like Tronka. Yeah, I believe believe that's correct. And then Colleen is like Schneider, I think.
0: Well, then there you go. But yeah. Um. (laughs) Anyways, so they're my honorable mentions. It was unfortunate to see them go, but I enjoyed seeing them and you know hopefully we get an opportunity to see them in the future i agree absolutely
3: i will point out credit where it's due week 2 of fessel not irritating me
0: fair enough mm-hmm. honorable mention fessel there you go yep okay let's do fantasy and then we got one more thing to get through and then we'll jump into survivors that sound good what's our one more thing or is it secret it's secret oh, okay All right, so for uh, fantasy points coming into this week, me and Karina were tied for first place at 85. Tony was in third with 77. Josh in fourth with 67. And Corey at 57 for fifth place. Karina got nine points in confessionals from Devin and Tori and a solid 13 from Darrell and Veronica. giving her 22 points this week. Corey, uh, it's a tell of two, two sides of the coin here. Casey and Kenny got 0 points and Jay and Michelle got 16 confessionals and then 5 points for winning the daily. Yeah. Uh, the big winner this week was Josh with 34 total points. He got 17 confessionals from Laurel and Jack, which is the new record, I believe, for the season, for this season. Yes. Uh, plus <laughs> five points for the elimination win on top of Fessy and Mariah getting him six confessionals and Kim and Colleen giving him six confessionals. So he got 34 points. Josh doing big things, which I'm glad to see after his time on Challenge USA Fantasy. Feeling it. Myself. Um, not a great week. I got 12 points, uh, three from Bamber and Chauncey, five from Banani, and then four from Orasio and Olivia. So for a total of 12, like I said, Tony, same 12 points. And his is very much like Corey's, where it's a tell of <laughs> two different sides of the coin. Jordan and Nisa got him 11 confessionals. Nelson and Nerese got him one. So, total points after week five. Karina is is completely and solely in the lead what? with 107 points. What? Josh having a big week Ooh. and going from fourth to second yeah. with 101 points. I moved to third with 97 points. Uh, Tony is sitting in fourth currently with 89, with Corey nipping at his butt with 88 points.
2: We're all super close in this one. It's like all super, super close. It's all within 20 points. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: You know, one good week can change it.
2: Sorry, I have the hiccup. Sorry, everybody.
0: No, you don't apologize. This is, this is this is our that. podcast. We can of- hiccup on it all we want.
2: That's annoying in headphones. No, though. I know.
0: So, you know, interesting to see how fantasy is fluctuating so much week to week. Very yeah. much. Uh, I feel like it's different where USA, it was like it really felt like it was just me and Tony for quite a while. And then it was me and you going at it for a while. Um and Josh kind of just got screwed from the get go. Yeah, glad to see Josh making these rise. I feel like that we 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 all had a good draft this this year. Yeah, yeah,
2: very well balanced.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that surprise I was talking to you guys about is hold on real quick because we'll be right back and listen to this ad from Anchor. <laughs> Hey, everyone. Thank you guys so much for sticking through that long, arduous ad. But we're <laughs> back, and now we're ready to break down Episode 8 of Survivor Season 43, titled Preposterous.
2: Yeah. That's proposterous. Preposterous. Pro, proposterous <laughs> I figured out why. Uh, yeah, I noticed it later in the episode, too. I was like, oh, God. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so, obviously, you know, last episode... We lost Dwight and we had the, uh, you know, the survivor white elephant gift exchange of idols and advantages and everything. So this uh, opens up pretty much on everybody kind of coming back from that and talking. And uh, Sammy goes and talks to Janine and Owen. And, you know, he's trying to kind of smooth out his relationships and stuff because he just kind of flipped and voted Dwight out when he wasn't supposed to. So. He tells Janine and Owen, he's like, Look, I found out that Jesse and Cody were flipping and that Dwight was going to go home regardless. Didn't really have time to let you guys know. This is just what it is. And, you know, whatever. But Janine is like really upset because she's like, Dude, like he had my idol in his pocket. And, you know, she gives this like <laughs> confessional where she's just like bawling her eyes out over this idol because she realizes how stupid it was that she handed it off to Dwight. And that's the thing like you never know what's going to happen in tribal just because somebody tells you this one thing like that's a big trust move to give up an idol or an advantage based off what other people are telling you is going to happen at tribal when you know that you're on the bottom of the votes because you've been for a couple weeks now. So like it was just like I felt bad for her but at the same time it's like dude you willingly handed Dwight that idol so like I kind of can't really feel bad for you. Well,
3: that's what everybody has had to do every time that a knowledge's power advantage has come into play is either is pass their idol off to somebody else or mm-hmm. take out the person before they get a chance to use the knowledge's power.
2: Right. Right. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I I found it I don't know, I found it funny. I laughed. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel bad for G uh Genie, is that Janine. it? Genie. But at the same time it's hilarious. It's good TV.
2: I liked finding out that in fact <laughs> Dwight did not go home with Janine's idol in his pocket because right before tribal he got a little like paranoid or whatever and he went ahead and he gave his idol to Jesse.
3: So <laughs> this is my stats and info moment.
2: Oh, I called yes. that
3: last week. So when we were watching it like the week that Dwight went home there was a scene they showed like the scene that they showed is the flashback. They showed a part of that last week mm-hmm. where Dwight and Jesse were talking and they were super close and Dwight was digging in his bag and then they cut away from it. And I said to Alicia, who's our friend who comes over and watches survivor. And now the challenge um, and Sarah, I said like Dwight totally just gave Jesse that idol. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, they would have shown that. And I was like, no, like they, he definitely did. And then when Dwight went home, they were like, I can't believe that he went home with Janine's Idol. It's like, unless mm-hmm. Jesse has it. But then I made the mistake and I, I haven't listened to exit interviews for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I listened to Dwight's and I shouldn't have because in Dwight's, in all of Dwight's exit press, he was very intentional with what he said. Right. When he was asked by Rob whether or not he went out with the Idol. He said Janine did not get her idol back. Right. When he was interviewed by Mike Bloom and was asked about the idol, he said, you and I both know that you can't pass idols once the votes start being read. Right. So in every situation where he did exit press and was asked that question, which was pretty much all of them, he had a different variation on the answer, which was absolutely the truth, but not actually answering the question.
2: Very vague. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
3: And I listened to that. And then that's why I didn't bring it up on the podcast. And then when it happened this week, Alicia and Sarah both looked at me and they're like, how did you know that? And I was like, <laughs> because like they they wouldn't unintentionally show you a shot of the two of them standing super close and Dwight digging around in his bag.
2: Right. Yeah, that's a good point. No, that's a really good point.
3: But I had to get credit for it. I have two witnesses who will back me up that I did call it last week when we watched the episode.
2: (laughs) I love it. So the next part is Owen kind of talking about how he's feeling left out because he's, you know, been on the bottom of the votes for the last couple of votes and, you know, doesn't really feel like he has any like strong connections to, especially like this seven who just voted Dwight out. So he goes and he talks to Noel and Janine and they all kind of agree that like those three plus Gabler are on the bottom and that they should try to pull in like two other people so that they have the six votes that they would need and maybe try to turn this game around because they said that there's no way like that this seven is going to work. Go like deep. Is, Yeah, exactly. And it's such a big alliance f- for Survivor like that's very much like a big brother thing to have like a final eight or a final seven or something like that. But it, in my experience with Survivor, when you have like those big groups, like somebody is bound to fall off or get put. Po- and it's usually the person who knows that they're on the bottom of that al- that huge alliance. And so, yeah. Yeah. At this point, I was also like, yeah, no, that seven is not going to stick strong for very long. So definitely go for that.
3: <laughs> well, yeah. And like the thing, too, is like normally normally when you hit a big alliance and there's a smaller group on the other side, mm-hmm. the, like you said, the person on the bottom is the one that tends to kind of float. But also they then think, well, if there's six of us, then we still have the majority. Right. Or if there's five of us, we still have the majority. Yeah. So they do those like little votes so that they, they take out some of the people within that core alliance, but they're still staying ahead of the numbers. So sometimes you'll see it where they'll take one person out from the smaller group, and then the next couple of votes are people from their actual alliance. And then they'll take somebody else from the smaller group. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of keeps flipping back and forth.
2: Well, and I mean, the seven is still talking like they're going to work together as a seven. They all kind of sit or sitting around like the fire pit and they're kind of talking about who they want to target next. Cassidy brings up potentially targeting like a challenge threat. Maybe Ryan. Obviously, we know that, you know, she's got a little not a thing like a crush, but a thing like she wants him out. (laughs) Yeah,
3: it's mutual.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And then James starts talking about how he wants Owen out. And so it kind of becomes, again, that thing of do you want to go for a physical aspect or do you want to just continue down this road of knocking out those, you know, those four that are kind of sitting on the bottom with Owen, Janine. Um, Noel and Gabler. Noel and Gabler. Thank you. I couldn't think of Noel's name for some reason. No worries. <laughs>
3: and that's the thing, too, is like. Owen's already gone after James the last two votes. Yep. So it's not a surprise that James wants him out. And he's also probably one of one of the ones who could make something happen because mm-hmm. they know that Sammy's in their group, but they also know that Sammy's close to Owen. So right. if they they kind of do the same thing that Jesse did with Dwight, where if they take out the people that he could work with, mm-hmm. the only option is to continue working with. The Coco plus Vessi plus Sammy.
2: Right. <laughs> well, and even, even Sammy is, you know, even he's like wishy-washy. And he's kind of been that way all season where he's yeah. kind of, he's been doubling up on alliances and stuff. And, you know, he does the same exact thing here because he starts wondering about, you know, where he falls on this seven. And it's kind of like I was saying a minute ago where when you have those big alliances, the people who feel like they're at the bottom of those alliances are usually the ones that break away first. And this is kind of what Sammy does, you know, so he goes and he talks to Noel and Owen and, you know, kind of solidifies with them that he wants to work with them and that he had just done this one vote on Dwight because he had gotten word and he didn't want to be on the outs, but that he's actually still with Noel, Owen and and all of them. So he's he's making a plan A, plan B situation. And I mean, I can't really hate on it. It's it. It works sometimes in Survivor and sometimes it doesn't. So, you know, it's just kind of one of those things.
3: Yeah. And I know there's only two options, but in situations like this, you're either going to get burned or you'll make it to the end. And I realize those are the only two options at this point. You either get burned or you make it to the end. But even more so when you try double dipping on alliances, because all it takes is one person to say the wrong thing to another person from the other side.
2: Right. Right. Well, and Gabler tries to do the same thing. I mean, he's not as uh, vocal about it as Sammy is like in confessionals and stuff, but Ryan goes spearfishing and Gabler goes and joins him and says that, you know, he's kind of trying to maybe gain some favor with the rest of the uh, tribe if he were to go out and help bring in the food for the day, you know, whatever. And so he goes, he goes spearfishing (laughs) with Ryan.
0: Yeah. Uh Yeah. Obviously, spearfishing doesn't lead to much favor from what we can see. No, it's the Rupert approach from
3: like early seasons yeah. where if I'm the provider, then they'll keep me around. Which yeah,
2: and that's, not, that's they don't. not how it works. No, they don't give a shit. Especially
3: <laughs> not on a 26-day game.
2: Yeah, you, don't, you just don't have time for that in, in, a, in a format, you know, in the, in the time format that they're using now. Like you don't, you don't have time to think about it as, you know, who's providing and who's not.
0: No, exactly. They go to the challenge from this point, right?
2: Yeah, they go to the yep. challenge.
0: That fucking drone shot was I sick. I will say,
2: that one was super sick. They did like the twist and went upside down over it. Like, it, oh, it was it. sick.
0: Like, I'm sorry, but B&M, being Murray, you could learn a thing about introing your challenges by watching maybe one or two episodes. Just saying.
3: Maybe get production to use the drones instead of the challengers.
0: Yeah, might be a good start.
2: That was such Although a terrible... Although
0: I d-
3: I did write in my notes, Rick probably wet himself with that drone shot.
0: I he
2: came did. a little bit. He did, yeah. He literally like reached over and like grabbed my arm, and he was like, oh my god, that was so sick. I was like...
0: <laughs> she just didn't see where my other hand went. <laughs> oh my
2: god. <laughs> Dude. Well, with that awkward uh, statement, so this challenge, they have to balance balls on poles.
0: <laughs> I'm awkward. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: So anyway, they uh, they start with a a little pole and a little kind of platform up on the top, and they've got a <laughs> a, a, a big ball. <laughs> this is such a dirty. This is so dirty. It wouldn't be dirty if you hadn't have said what you had said before. <laughs> oh,
0: no, it still would have been.
2: Uh, so anyway, every five minutes, um, they have to add on like a little section down on the bottom of the pole. And the biggest thing with this is whatever the bottom like section of the pole. There's a little line that your hand has to be under. So there's specific places that you have to hold this. You can't just like hold it up at the top to keep it steady or anything. You're pretty much holding this thing at the bottom. When the ball drops, you're out. Obviously, last person standing is safe. But this is one of the challenges where Jeff kind of does his like trade thing. I don't even know really what to call it, but it's a barter. Unnecessary. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So he offers out rice portions for everyone for, I think he said it would last like four days
3: or even more. If you ration it,
2: if you ration it even further, it could last more. But he says in order to get this rice, five players need to sit out now. having seen, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, having seen like 41 and 42 and you know, whatever, I'm not exactly sure what season he started doing this like barter thing. But James immediately shoots out and offers, okay, well, can we can we do it for four players sitting out? And Jeff pretty much tells him, no, there's no deal here. This is the deal for today, and tomorrow it'll be more. And I was like, how does that work? Like, what do you mean tomorrow it would be more? Like, is there another so, challenge tomorrow? I'm confused.
3: Presumably, it would be, like, in pretty short succession because it's a 26-day tw- game. But he says that the established price is five people.
2: Yeah.
3: I'm not 100% sure when it was established because in 41 and 42, it was four people. Right. So it's not established anywhere. Yeah. Uh, But the foreshadowing is pretty heavy on this one. They took a page from the challenge book because they had that whole intro about everyone talking about food before they went to the challenge. Yep. And while they were talking about food, I actually... I. I was going to tell Alicia uh, what Owen had posted Mm -hmm. um, when they got to the challenge, and I stopped myself. I said, so Owen said, I will tell you afterwards because chances are this is the rice barter system thing, and I don't want to tell you who does and who doesn't. And she's like, what? Wait a minute. And then sure enough, brings out the bag of rice. with his established for the first time ever, five people.
2: So weird. Yeah. Well, and like I said, that threw me off and then the whole, like, it'll be more tomorrow. So like, what do you just show up to their beach and give them another challenge the next day? If they don't take the deal on the first, like it was just, it was very, or did he mean like tomorrow as in like the next immunity the next challenge? challenge? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and maybe I, mean, that's I guess what he meant. It could
3: be because next, I mean, to go way the hell ahead next week is the presumably the tribe split in half and mm. then the two tribal councils with the two immunities that they seem to do every season now so that could be the next day yeah i i don't know why it would be but it could be
2: yeah it, it was it was a strange way for him to word it uh but you know the the tribe ended up taking the deal james sammy jesse cassidy and carla all sit out which i thought was interesting that it's all five people from that group of seven. So now they've left themselves less chances to win this than the outside group of four. So I was like, yeah. that was just really, odd. and I get it, the outside four are not going to drop out because they know that they're on the bottom and they, they need to try to win. But it was just odd to just see boop, 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 five well, of the seven, be like, yeah, no, I'm good.
3: Noelle was in the process of stepping forward and then Cassidy stepped forward first because oh, Noel okay, like okay. took a half step forward and back. But I found it like for Carla, I totally get it because her hand is still bandaged. Yes. And then Jesse mentioned something about his hand being swollen. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Now,
3: whether that was just him saying that it was swollen so that he had a reason to sit out.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Right. Yeah.
3: But like you said, it pretty much. Sorry. Go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say Jesse's he's he's comfortable right now. He's survivor rich right now. So he's not super worried. Sammy was the one that confused me a little bit, that he was just like, he was one of the first two that that stepped down and was like, Meh. I'm like, you're playing both sides here. And then you refuse to go, you like, not refuse, but pulled, you volunteered. he
0: pulled a Xander.
2: Yeah, it was just it was odd. It was an odd choice. But I mean, you know, it what, obviously worked out for him. But
0: what James said to Owen, what was shady as hell and dumb. Sit, sit out, dude, you're safe.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah you're protected.
3: Like, and yeah. he's like, nobody's going to believe that. He just voted for you the past two tribals and everybody else here already knows that you said that you wanted to vote him out. So he's probably not going to sit this one out. He's (laughs) in the bottom four when there's a seven person alliance against that four.
2: Exactly. Yeah, that part was I was like, wait, hold on. (laughs) And no
3: one called him on it later in a confessional and said it was patronizing as hell and fueled his fire
0: to win
2: yep, exactly.
0: I did love the fact that uh, during this challenge, I and mean, me and Tony kind of joked about it earlier. Where uh, Jeff goes, if your leg falls asleep, use the other one. And then it's a picture of uh, Noel. <laughs> and it's like, dude, that's fucked up, man. Why are you. Well, yeah, Noel posted it. To yeah. be fair,
2: she wasn't in the competition no, anymore when just, he had uh, said that. <laughs> just Cody and Owen. <laughs> right. Because Janine and Noel, well, Noel goes out first, and then Janine is literally right behind her as they're trying to add on the second attachment to the pole they're not able to keep the ball stabilized on the top noel goes out janine goes out right behind her but what i noticed the most out of this and it literally was like giving me anxiety did y'all see how freaking leaned over gabler's thing was the thing was like damn near laying in half i was like oh my god dude like
0: I feel like he didn't get the the poles, the couplings connected tight enough yeah. and it created more of a lean to it. It wasn't as stable as it should have been.
3: Yeah. Either that and like I thought about it too, once it's got that lean on it, because it's so like it's, so, it's such a hairpin trigger on it mm-hmm. to fall off. Once it starts to lean, you pretty much just have to stick with it and hope that it doesn't lean all the way over. Right. Because if you try to pull it back and correct it's just going to pivot back the other way and launch the ball off the back. Yeah. So he was kind of stuck at that point. Yeah. But it was interesting that last individual immunity, it was Dwight Owen, Cody, and Gabler. And then this one, it was Ryan Owen, Cody, and Gabler.
2: Yeah. In the final. Exactly. Yeah. So with his uh his leaning tower of Pisa freaking pole. Gabler ends up dropping his ball as he's trying to get the third attachment put onto his pole. So he's out. And this brings it down to Ryan and Cody and and Owen and Owen. There you go. Thank you. Um, (laughs) I was like, there was one more. (laughs) But what I found interesting about this part was if you notice, Ryan and Cody are holding on to their poles But they're like balancing the upper part of their poles, like against their like their heads, their foreheads. And at one point Cody was using his chest, his hip. Yeah. And he used his hip to hold the bottom of it. And I thought that was actually really smart. I wasn't sure if they were able to utilize their bodies to like stabilize the pole. But I mean, Jeff didn't say anything. So it was it was a smart move.
3: It was in theory. I mean, in Ryan's case, it didn't really end up working out because all it did was basically give the pole the ability to tilt back the other way.
2: Right. Yeah. No, I think Cody definitely had the better approach because he had the bottom part kind of resting on his hip. He was holding where he had to hold with his hand. And then he had, you know, part of it either up against his chest or up against his head, depending on, you know, which part of it. The- he was wearing the- his
3: hat, so he couldn't put it up against his head.
2: And so I think he had the better strategy because he had that thing stabilized in multiple position in multiple locations on the pole. So it. I think that it definitely yeah. helped Cody. Obviously, Ryan drops out trying to add on the fourth attachment to the pole, and it comes down to Cody and Owen. And Cody is, like I said, using his hip to try to stabilize the pole to get that fifth attachment on, and he just can't freaking do it. And he ends up dropping his ball. And I was just I was actually kind of hoping like Cody would win this one just because like I like Cody and you know, but
3: always a bridesmaid. He's coming yeah. in second in the last two individual immunity challenges, exactly. which is almost worse than coming in first because then you're not safe. But everybody knows that you have the ability to get that close to the end.
2: Yep. That you're a good competitor.
3: Did you notice the one section that Cody was able to put on? get his hand in the right position in seven seconds.
2: Yes. He took it down to the very last second. Like that was really impressive. And he, he utilized the time very well on that one. And
3: they only had, they had two sections left when Cody went out Mm -hmm. and there were eight to start. So it would have, the challenge would have either lasted 30 minutes or 35 minutes, depending on if, when they first started, if they had five minutes with just the base right before they added it or whether they had it. And once they started, they had to add the base.
2: Right. But either way,
3: that's a long time.
2: That's a long time to stand there and hold that thing, stabilize those poles. Cause once you get to like, you know, the third and four to geez, I can't talk the third and fourth attachments. Once you get to around that, like these things are tall. It's not like these attachments are short, you know, so that's difficult. And then you've got that big ball. It wasn't like it was a small ball. It was, it was pretty big. It was like a volleyball. Yeah. So is, you know, holding all that up with one arm and trying to stabilize everything for over 35 minutes. Yeah, dude, that's, that's, that's impressive. And, you know, so Owen obviously wins. super, super happy for him. Same. Yeah. He's, he's safe. He's freaking thrilled. And like he had said, you know, that kind of patronizing comment from James was what really made him want to win this challenge because he's like, I'm not going to rely on you to keep me safe. I'm going to just, you know, screw you. I'm going to do it myself. And so I respect that. I, I I like Owen a lot more now than I did in the beginning of the uh, in the beginning of the season. He doesn't feel so paranoid now. He feels more strategic. And so I am enjoying that.
3: Yeah, I feel like the whole like paranoid aspect of it had a lot to do with the edit because he is a huge fan of the game and he knows how to play right um and that that was clear in like his preseason stuff mm-hmm. so i'm very glad that we're getting to see more of owen and also like that we're actually getting more of owen being able to play because yes. being on baka made that meant that he didn't he went to travel once so you didn't get to see anything from them really after the challenges
2: Right. And I think that that also added to Owen's, gosh, paranoia. Sorry, I had a blank there. But I think that also added to his paranoia because his team what or his tribe wasn't going into tribals. So, you know, and we've talked about this before, how that can really change the dynamic, as great as it sounds, to never go to a tribal council it can actually harm your tribe because you there's no lines drawn. There's no alliances. There's nothing. It's just all hunky-dory. We're on vacation living on a beach in Fiji, but then all of a sudden you're just kind of thrown into the fire when you lose a challenge and you have to figure everything out. So I think that that also added to his paranoia because nobody on BACA knew where they stood in the beginning of the season with each other.
3: No, it's like, uh, it's like Jesse said last week or the week before. The pre-merge is just practice.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
3: And that's when you test your alliances. That's when you hone your skills. And then when the merge happens, you hit the beach running. Right. But if you don't have the opportunity, then you have not dead weight um, because everybody on this season absolutely came to play. But you have people that are still in your tribe that are people that you don't necessarily want to work with and you have to work with them at that point because you're coming into the merge and the only people you know are the people on your own tribe.
2: Yeah, exactly. I agree. Other than
3: Advantage Cove, but right.
2: <laughs> so, we get back to the beach and I found this really awkward as much as I absolutely love Ryan, I feel like he just does like some of the most awkward stuff sometimes. They're like sitting around, they have the rice and everything, you know, and everybody's like, oh, let's make some rice, blah, blah, blah. He wants to go get some more fish to kind of like build his, what they value in him. You know, the fact that he's going, yeah, build his resume, go get some more fish Add it to the rice. And he makes a comment in his confessional about, you know, everybody's happy about rice, but fish is always better than rice. But he stops and he tells everybody, he's like, look, I want to go fishing, but I want to get these conversations out of the way first. And like says this to like everybody and then goes off and starts talking to people pretty much makes it clear to like Gabler and James and you know, whatever that he wants to shoot for Janine and everybody's pretty much good with it. Like literally he walks around and everybody's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Like we don't really care.
3: Yeah. It was, it was really strange because I expected when he said it and I heard him say it, I assumed that he was just with like the other six of the seven. Yeah. then Gabler was there. Yeah. But then Gabler had also sort of said, I'm a vote. Use me however you need to, because he's not really been in those conversations with Janine and Noel and Owen and Sammy.
2: They're just assuming he's part of them. Yeah. Which I also so, thought was odd.
3: Which is also interesting that he's in those conversations. Yeah. But then Ryan goes and I think he's talking to Noel and I don't know if he talks to Owen or if James talks to Owen or Sammy does. Somebody, I know that Owen is in the mix at some point. Yeah, but, Sammy,
2: Sammy tells Owen and Janine that the vote is on her.
3: Right. But yeah. Ryan was just talking to everyone. So it seemed like Janine was the only one who didn't know that they were voting for Janine. Right. Which, I mean, when you're in the bottom and there's absolutely no cracks in the bigger alliance, you do still want to find a way to be on the right side of the votes.
2: Well, and that's pretty much what Gabler told him. He's like, look, I don't, I'm not locked in with them. Like, I don't want to be on the bottom. Just tell me what I need to do and I will vote the way you guys want me to. Just don't let it be me kind of a thing, you know? So, but this is also where we get the title of the episode. Cody and Sammy are like painting. It's like, it's the raft, right? That they're, they're like painting on the raft. And Cody, I think I think he was trying to spell preposterous, but he spells propostorous right on the raft. And I was just like, why? Uh,
3: (laughs) It was either him or Sammy. I don't know which one of the two it was, but
2: yeah, (laughs) I just said Cody because he was sitting right in front of it. But it could have been Sammy, too. I have no idea. But that's where we get preposterous. So shouts to Cody and Sammy, because that was fucking hilarious. I was like, oh, my God, you guys. So this is where, you know, Sammy goes and he tells Owen and Janine that the vote's on her and, you know, and pretty much is like, dude, we got to flip it to Ryan. And then so he starts, Sammy starts going around while Ryan's out spearfishing. Sammy starts going around and talking to people, goes and talks to Carla and, you know, asks her thoughts to flip to Ryan. And she's like, yeah, like, I don't care, whatever. And people are actually kind of annoyed that. You know, as much as Ryan thinks that they're going to be happy that he's out getting fish and blah, 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 and he's providing food and shit. They're super fucking annoyed that he and I think it's because they think he's so comfortable that he doesn't need to be up on the beach strategizing and having conversations. He said the quick little bits that he said and then he takes off for a couple hours to go fishing and people are actually like offended by this. And I'm like, this is not working out the way Ryan thought it was going to work out.
3: Yeah. And it seems to be predominantly Carla in her confessional about it. But in reality, like she said, and where's he? He's out fishing when we're all strategizing. But in all honesty, if you're part of a seven person alliance and the other side has four, you're with the entirety of your original tribe that you already think you have absolute faith in and absolute confidence in. There's really no reason for Ryan to be on the beach strategizing Mm -hmm. when he could be out getting fish. So it's different where if he was in the four, I could see him not going fishing and trying to figure out what they're doing. But when they've got the big majority with his entire original tribe that are all saying, yeah, we're locked in on Janine. Let's do this and just chill for the rest of the afternoon. then. I can see why he would just go fishing and so like provide for the tribe.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely see that point, but I mean, there's still a huge risk in it because we watch it here, totally. where you know Sammy goes around and he's talking to everybody in the seven, and everybody's like, "Yeah, sure." I mean, we could flip it to Ryan, and they're all fucking cool with it. Except the for only Cody. except for Cody. Cody was the only one that was like, "Hey, man, no, this isn't. This isn't what we need to do." And Cody actually is the one who influences James's change of mind, who then goes around and tells everybody, hey, it's it's back to Janine. We need to just get Janine out. Let's leave Ryan for, you know, another week or two or whatever it is. But, you know, so that's my only thing with it is I definitely understand being in the bigger alliance and, and not being as worried. But there's always still a chance that it could flip on you. And you're down here just Fishing away, although he did get like 21 fish. So like which is impressive. It's <laughs> super, super impressive.
0: So from that point, they go from having the discussion into tribal. Yeah. Well, they do also um,
3: Cassie also pointed out to Carla mm. about does she really want another woman going home? Yeah. And she does point out that it's nobody's intention, but it is frustrating. And this is a conversation that's been having a, been had a lot on social media is because if you look at the boot order for this season, it's been predominantly the females. And some of it is absolutely performance-based. Right. NECA wasn't doing so hot with the puzzles. Mariah wasn't really gelling with the group. Mm-hmm. Ellie basically took herself out by trying to control everything. <laughs> Lindsay <laughs> was paranoid, like paranoid shit. there. Yeah. But like, it's still very evident that the the majority of the people that were voted out were female. Right. And a lot of this a lot of the times that the tribes are split into three, that tends to happen. Yeah. Because it's so strength-based in the beginning, and the preconceived notion, which is inaccurate, is that the women are weaker than the men.
2: Right, exactly. So
3: you have to vote out the women and you have to keep the strong guys. And that's not it's really far off base. But it's just like it's a probably an unintentional bias that people have. And it's no fault of this cast.
2: No, yeah. I it's
3: think- a matter of the it's the way that the the game is set up in its current format. It it makes it much harder for women to make it to the merge.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Once you get to the merge, it is a lot easier to sort of maneuver around because you're getting out the the heavy hitters. You're getting at the. People who are strategizing, you're trying to figure out who you want in final three, but to get there, it can be tough in this three-tribe format um, because, again, with, with two tribes, you have a, a bit more place to hide as well mm-hmm. and a bit more – you have more people to annoy. <laughs> and it's not two tribes going to tribal every time either, right?
2: Right, yeah.
3: Or, sorry, one tribe going to tribal, but, like,
2: you're, right. you know what yeah. I mean? No, I know what you mean. Yeah, no, I I definitely get where she's coming from with that. And, you know, I definitely don't blame her for feeling that way. And I think she's right. It's not a malicious or, you know, it's not something that they're intending to do maliciously or anything like that. But it is a fact of the game so far. And, you know, so I definitely understand where she's coming from. It just kind of felt like you're just you're not really in the position to do that right now because. Ryan's part of the seven, which Cassidy is also supposed to be part of and just pushing that hard. And I know she said like she wants her revenge and blah, 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 blah. But I think that that also like skews your 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 gameplay. And she was pushing so hard for Ryan that it makes me worry about how this is going to affect her. Moving forward, though, it didn't seem like she did it to everybody. It looked like it was more just her kind of venting to Carla. And I think James was James sitting there. Is
3: her Carla and James because she also pointed yeah. out to James because James said that Ryan is a number for him and Janine right. is not. Right. But he's also basically surrounding him stuff with strong players, which is going to be more difficult when he gets to the end. Like Ryan's a big dude. Depending on the challenge, he could beat James and that could be the like that could be the million dollar move. But I would like to see, even though this is the format that it's been for the last three seasons, I would like to see another two tribe season. Oh, yeah. Because the format is starting to kind of show its stripes and show its weaknesses. And it would be very interesting to go back to a two tribe season and see how it how it actually plays out.
2: I, I agree with that. I also saw this on social media in one of the like survivor fan groups. And I thought it was actually interesting. I hadn't really noticed this before and I'm not sure when they stopped doing this, but I want like, I, I like another like theme season. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they used to do these tribes based on like, you know, all different types of things. And now it just kind of feels like it's just like haphazardly like thrown together and I miss the the themes of it, you know, and I know like 40 they did winners at war, you know, but like J season, they did like millennials versus Janet. Gen- like I, I like those themes that they do, and I feel like it adds to the the survivor like feel, you know what I mean. Yeah. And um, it just I don't know I, I I do miss those. I miss the two tribe things, I miss the themed tribes, and I, i'm I'm hoping maybe they, you know. Shuffle it up a little bit. If you guys like doing the three tribe things, that's great. Like do a season of like three tribes or whatever and then do one do a couple of two tribe. Like just switch it up so it's not so like predictable up- upon what's gonna happen.
0: Over the next like even now, but ev- even more so over the next two to five years. It's perfect time to do uh millennials versus Gen Z.
2: Yeah. Right? You yeah know what I mean. That so- awesome. And yeah.
3: I w- I wouldn't be surprised if the first Theme season that they do is another fans versus favorites.
2: That would be cool.
3: And either bring only people back from the new era because they have kind of gone back and forth on how they're doing it. Right. Or they could do an entire returning player season and bring back people who have played the 39 day game against people who've played the 26 day game.
1: Yeah. And it would be
3: very interesting to see how the people who've played a 39 day game are able to adapt to mm-hmm. the accelerated 26-day game because a lot of them say that 26 days is much easier than 39. Right. But they also haven't played it.
2: Yeah. But yeah, like a like an old school versus new school kind of thing. Like that would be yeah, super dope. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly,
3: cuz like um I haven't listened to it yet. I've actually stopped listening to survivor recaps before we do the podcast <laughs> so that I am not influenced in any way. Yeah. But um Xander from 41 is on Tyson's podcast this week and he is the first guest who has played a 26 day game who's been on the podcast because everybody else has been players that like Tyson has either played with or has been associated with um through being on Survivor but right. yeah. Xander is the very first one to be on there from the uh the accelerated version of the game So I'm I'm interested to see how that conversation goes, because I'm sure there will be like a lot of comparisons between the two.
2: Well, we'll go ahead and we'll uh, we'll link to that episode down in the description for anyone who might want to listen to it and check it out. But, yeah, I might actually have to check that one out, too. I actually liked Xander. So me, too. So anyway, so we go into tribal, Um, you know, per our protocol. I didn't take a lot of notes on tribal. There was one thing that kind of stuck out to me. And that was Gabler and Carla uh, talking about how you move in the game. And Gabler had said, you know, that you got to move subtly. And Carla kind of combats him and says, you know, yeah, you got to move subtly, but you can't move too subtly or too quiet. Otherwise, you know, nobody, including the jury, is going to know what you've done in this game. And I'm like, yes. And that is why Carla is one of my favorites, because. She is I feel like she's flying under the radar, but like right underneath the radar, like people see her. They know who she is and they know what she's capable of. They know what she's contributed thus far, but she's not drawing too much attention to herself. So it's like she's found like that kind of perfect balance. And I think Jesse has a very similar game as well.
0: Carla. Yeah. Carla reminds me a little bit of the way Marianne was under the radar, but with a better social yeah. game. Yes. Yeah. Um yeah. It, and to me, she's very much how Marianne was at this point in the game—one to two to three moves away from having a really great resume to to put forward if she makes it that far. Yeah, yeah. It'll be. There are a
3: couple people that I will be very interested to see how Final Tribal goes. Mm-hmm. If there's like, for example, if Jesse and Carla are both sitting at Final Tribal.
2: Yeah, that's I, gonna be have tough. A f-
3: I have a feeling that there's going to be a shootout And not both of them are going to make it to final Because they both know that the other is playing A game that's on par with their own Yeah, But if they both make it It will be a very interesting final tribal
0: yes. I'm, I'm wanting to see who's going to take that first shot in the 7 yeah. Because that's going to determine how that, how that falls apart And who's on what side
2: yeah, yep. I think it, I think it'll be Sammy too. You no, know, like I said, that'll break away and and help take that first shot, and it's just gonna explode. And I'm 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 stoked for that, honestly. Well, Yeah, it'll be <laughs> it'll be
3: Sammy, or it will be the full circle moment of Ryan and Cassidy. Right. Of only one of these two are going to be on in the alliance. Now I don't know if that's what happens as soon as they're down to seven, mm-hmm. or if. Sammy's still around by that point and has been found <laughs> out from being in both alliances. Oh gosh. I know. That's the thing is this season, everybody who's there is playing hard, but everybody has their like a slight variation on their gameplay. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting to see how Carla's gameplay meshes with James's gameplay meshes with Cassidy's gameplay. But then also, as an overall tribe.
2: Right. And how it
3: all plays out. So it's been really interesting because there are a lot of different styles of play.
2: Yes. In this group
3: of I guess are we down to ten now?
2: Eleven. We ten after yeah. After this. Yeah. Crazy. No, it's it's been interesting to watch all the like you said, all the different variations of how they're approaching this game. What really got was there anything? I'm sorry, was there anything else you wanted to add about the actual tribal conversation? Because I have questions about the votes.
3: No, um, Cody, what Cody said, I really liked about how it does really come down to one word, one body movement, one yes. gesture as I already talked about that with the challenge. And then Sammy's civil war speech confused the shit out of me. I don't know what he (laughs) was was saying. He just kind of kept talking and hoped that it made sense in the end. And it didn't. I think what he was trying to say (laughs) is that there is no trust and that everyone is out for themselves and out to win, but they still need to work together at the same time. So they have to have like some level of agreement without there being trust. But that wasn't what he said. I, it was a lot and I
0: was very confused. So I'm going to respect what Sammy did because it's what I do every Friday night when we do this podcast. I just talk and I hope it makes sense <laughs> at the end. Yeah. It's just, just word vomit. You fared Vom. better than he did yeah. in that moment. Yeah, you did. I got a little terrible. I have a little bit more experience than he does. <laughs> He's 22 going on 20 <laughs> going on fucking 17.
2: no. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Anyway, so we get to the votes. Um, the votes that Jeff reads out is six votes for Janine, two for Ryan. So obviously, we're missing three votes in there. I would assume at least two, one or two other ones were for Ryan. I'm curious because obviously, like, they don't show exactly. And I didn't watch the after credits where they show everybody holding the thing up. Who did Sammy end up voting for? Did he vote for for Janine with Mm -hmm. the seven?
0: Yeah.
3: Cassidy and Janine voted for Ryan and everyone else voted for Janine.
2: Okay, okay. Yeah. Even
0: okay. Owen. Yeah. Owen was let
3: in on it too, which I, yeah. I okay. found interesting. Owen and Gabler and Noel all voted for Janine as well.
2: Wow. Yeah, so. Okay. I was, because I was, okay. So Ryan only got those two votes. That's yeah. crazy. So, oh, Cassidy's going to be pissed next episode. So
0: Janine leaves, but her idol stays. Yeah. Yep.
2: And that
3: would be why that is another reason why Jesse was also pushing for Janine is because she is the last remaining person that could even conceivably know about the idol. But also she would be the one that if he played the idol would know that it was hers.
2: Yep, exactly. And she'd probably make that (laughs) make it known
3: because it's all yellow. Now anybody else who's on Baca would still technically know.
2: Right. But true. True. Yeah. Yeah, that's true.
0: That is such a resume builder if he ends up using it, too. Oh, my
2: God. Or if he
0: keeps it
3: until final and pulls a Marianne and is just yeah. like, I've had this since you guys thought
0: Dwight left with it.
2: Yes. He, he, gangster.
0: I don't know if he's survivor rich like Drea was last year, but it's pretty fucking close.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's it pretty, is pretty set up. close. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it for the episode. Janine ends up going home. And I feel like there's there's going to be some interesting conversations uh, next week when everybody gets back to the beach, especially like Cassidy and stuff, because people are Ryan's going to wonder where those two votes came from.
3: And or at least where you know, one of them came from or
2: at least. Yeah, where one of them. He probably knows Cassidy. But again, I feel like that might feed into the Cassidy Ryan feud and that may end up splitting the seven. So I'm excited yeah. to see what happens from this vote and how the season progresses from here. I feel like this is going to be one of those kind of turning points in the game moving forward. And, you know, we might not have the big seven next week. You know, time will tell.
3: Well, it depends. They might stick together one more week because they're all split up. So true. depending on the uh, the breakdown, you could very easily have a group of five that has the remainder of the smaller alliance and they pick off whatever person for the big one.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah that's very true. true. All right, well, did we want to do m v p s for the episode?
0: sure, yeah, I'm gonna go with Owen. gets his uh yes. his first uh immunity idol, you know, and the speech he gave after about how much it meant to him yes. i I really love that
2: that you know what, oh my God, we didn't even talk about that, but that was so sweet, like he was so excited to get that that idol ne- that immunity idol necklace he like asked Jeff if he could give him a hug like he was just. That was a very sweet moment. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. no. We totally skipped over that when we were recapping. I didn't even write it in my notes, but it was a very touching moment.
0: Well, and and not only that, it it was really Owen's episode because we learned about his adoption and some of the trials and tribulations he went through growing up in you know, in a family where it's not his biological parents but adopt parents who also are not the same race that he is, mm-hmm. um, and how that kind of created an, an an issue with his identity and how he saw himself and how he got through. It. And you know, it's one of those scenes where you know I I enjoyed it immensely because we talked about on it open and honestly about how much it means to have representation for people on here. Yes, so it was really yep. cool to see, and and I appreciate CBS sharing that with us. And on top of that, I like Owen. I think he's a cool guy. And uh, so, yeah, my MVP.
2: Nice. I like it.
3: I like that uh, Terry Dietz also gave him a shout out on Twitter for shouting him out in the episode. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's
2: That's awesome. awesome. I love that. So my my MVP is also Owen. For all the reasons you just said about Owen, I don't want to recover him. Mm -hmm. And then I have an honorable mention going out to Jesse because what he's pulling off with this whole idol swap thing and how he's able to keep his cool and just keep it completely under locks. He's not being stupid and being like, oh, well, I can trust this one person. So I'm going to go. tell. He's like, no, I ain't telling fucking nobody. So shouts to Jesse. I love the way he's playing. I want to give him an honorable mention for what he was able to do with the idol. But. Definitely given Owen the MVP, he absolutely earned it and deserved it this episode.
3: Yep. My favorite moment of the episode was Carla, Jesse, and Owen having that conversation. Yeah. Because they're three of my favorite players, and they have been since the preseason. So to see kind of the three that I I picked as as being finalists without seeing any footage, it's really interesting to see the three of them interact. Yeah. But my MVP is my MVPs are exactly the same as yours, Karina. It's Owen MVP, honorable mention for Jesse. Yeah. And an honorable, honorable mention for me for being able to pick up on the fact
0: (laughs) that he got the idol last (laughs) week. Yeah,
2: (laughs) definitely. Absolutely. The
0: real the real MVP hive mind. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, man. So, uh, Tony, you want to go ahead and get into fantasy for this week? Indeed. So. Corey
3: was in the lead last week with 164, then me with 117, Rick right on my heels with 114, and Karina with 93. So for this episode, Corey got nine points with the confessionals. Uh, We got the Rice advantage from Cassidy on his team, and then Owen got immunity for five points, and he got six points for the votes for eliminated players for a total of 22 points rick you put in a valiant effort with sammy your tribe (laughs) three points for confessionals not too shabby one of the higher point totals for the episode Mm -hmm. and then he got rice but he also got you two points and then he got another two points for the correct vote for a total of seven points nice so not too shabby all things considered Karina, you got two for Ryan, two for James, one for Noel for a total of five. James got some rice for two points and then six points for voting for the eliminated player for a total of 13. I had eight points because I got two for Jesse, two for Carla, four for Janine, which was a nice little parting gift.
1: Right. And
3: (laughs) Carla and Jesse, they got the rice advantage for four points. Uh, Jesse got Janine's idol for an additional two points. We got four points for the correct votes, and then Janine made jury for five points. Nice. For a total of 23. So, Corey very much still in the lead with 186. I am 140. Rick is 121. And Karina, you are 106. We are all now in triple digits. But we are also now at a point where everybody eliminated gets five points on their way out the door. So... There'll be 10 points to have next week with the double elimination.
0: Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to hope my my one remaining tribe member makes it a little bit further. I'll pass on those five fucking points.
3: <laughs> well, you, you could get I'm- five points for the immunity idol as well, because there's two of those. That's right? true. So 20, yeah. 20, points, 10, good, 10, not so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, man. Well, no, that's awesome. Corey's kicking ass in uh, Survivor. That's pretty cool because this is what, like his second season watching Survivor and his first fantasy draft for reality TV. So that's cool, though. I'm glad I'm glad Corey's doing well.
0: Well, he needs to after how he's doing in the challenge.
3: <laughs> I would like so. to point out most of his points this week came from the person they took
0: from me right out of the gate. So <laughs> yeah,
3: but based on Rick's recommendation,
0: I just let him know where he was from. That's all. I couldn't let you just completely dominate us in Survivor. I did my homework. Yeah. I mean, I did, too, which was reading it as I was vo- as I was picking who I was going to pick, like Same. Sammy from Ve- I'm going to take Sammy. He's from Vegas. That's all I needed to know
3: I had lists and sub lists because I knew who some of you were going to pick. And it was just like, depending on the order, I am picking these people. I like it.
0: I like it. All right. Well, shall we?
2: Yeah, I mean, Indeed. that's that's pretty much it for Survivor. That's pretty much it for our show. I'm trying to think. Oh, we've got uh, Kayla from Amazing Race releasing on Monday. So keep an eye out Ooh. for that. We did an Unplugged with her recently. And that episode will be coming out this Monday. So keep an eye out for that. Go catch it. Kayla is freaking awesome. And we talk about everything. We talk about life. We talk about Amazing Race, behind the scenes stuff, Challenge USA. She explains what really happened up on that mountain in the final for Challenge USA. So, and what happened to her afterward. So, yeah, make sure you guys catch that. But, I mean, that's all I have.
0: Do you got anything, Tony, you want to close out on? Nah, I'm good. All right. Well, then I guess it's up to me. And what I will close this out on is I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank Tony and Karina. Tony, for one, deciding to spend the evening with us talking about this every week. (laughs) Karina, for doing the same and also choosing to just... Spend time with me and live with me. Thank you. (laughs) I know I'm difficult. Um, Also, before we go on to the deep end, like Dr. Phil, I want to thank you guys for choosing to spend some time with us and listen to us jibber jabber about the challenge and Survivor and give our uh, our wild assumptions on things we think that's going on and call it insight um (laughs) but with that being said if you've enjoyed this show which we hope you uh we hope you have uh, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes like Karina said we put out interviews all the time we're putting out uh you know recaps weekly and then on top of that you know go ahead and hit that five star button ain't gonna hurt you it'll help us
2: won't cost you anything
0: no. And we're never going to ask you to spend money to listen to our podcast. Nope. All we're going to ask is you leave us five stars, maybe download the episode. Yeah. But with that being said, I know I didn't introduce us, but for myself, Ricky Hayes, <laughs> my beautiful wife, Karina Hayes, and the one, the only, Tony Stats and fucking info Lance, we'd like to thank you guys for tuning in. And also for the hosts that aren't here, Corey, Raging Cajun Viator, and Josh, motherfucking Chambers. Yep. We want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. Be good to each other. Love y'all. Night. Later.
1: Bye.